and welcome back to We Have Such Films to Show You, if you've ever listened to it before. If you haven't, then uh, welcome to uh, basically figure out which one of those is and then just play the portion of that greeting that applies to you, and this will feel a lot smoother. Uh, I am Josh Millar. your own podcast adventure. Yes, yes. C-Y-O-A. C-Y-O-A. Yep, a strong start. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Yakov. Yeah, I'm Josh, and he's Yakov. And, uh, and here we are in episode 34 of We Have Such Films to Show You, in which we are discussing uh, Prometheus. Untitled Alien prequel. <laughs> we listened to, we, we, we watched uh, Alien uh, for the last episode, and uh, we got to talk about it. And, and, and Yakov has brought up uh, this film. I feel like in at least half of the episodes we have recorded of this podcast, not not even by design or anything, it's just somehow we always end up jumping from a hop and a skip to you saying, "Oh yeah, and like that thing in Prometheus," and I'm like, "I haven't seen Prometheus." That's you know that's a fair that's a fair estimate. I, it feels I, it feels like that. Maybe it was yeah. like, maybe it was half of the episodes uh, after we got done with Hellraiser because we were. I feel like any episode with space, I probably brought it up. Yeah, probably that would do it. Uh, but so yes, I finally I was like you know I, I as previously discussed on the last episode and and periodically in episodes before that I'm a big fan of Alien and the Aliens franchise in general yeah I really grew up on that stuff and so uh, the fact that there is a new Aliens film that doesn't involve being versus predators uh, should have been a really exciting thing for me when uh, this project sort of got announced but the whole there were so many weird red flags in the sort of production of it and hemming and hawing about is it an alien film or isn't it an alien film and Ridley Scott being sort of unclear about whether it was actually taking place in the alien universe or in a similar universe and whether it was really a prequel and whatnot and that I feel like I I remember that being sort of all over the board uh, in the sort of like pre-production and production and speculation and such and then, so for whatever reason, I was like, you know, and maybe I'd read some advanced reviews that were like, well, maybe they didn't uh, really uh, nail it with this new movie. And so for whatever reason, I didn't see it, even though it seems like a gimme. It seems like a movie I should have rushed out to the theater and been uh, actively uh, and, and very in a very timely fashion disappointed by. Uh, but instead, I didn't see it, and uh, I've heard a bunch of people say, oh, yeah, whew, what a dog. And So I've been very forewarned about it being... Uh, not so good, and so I went into it in that light, which I think helped because uh, there are things about this film that are not very good. But it was also kind of neat to see Ridley Scott messing around with some of this stuff again. So yeah, this it, it's not a film that's going to stand up to close scrutiny um, at all. Yeah, which is what I'm kind of afraid of because I like it and I feel like I'm going to le- go away from this episode being like, you know what, I don't like that movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it far too hard. It's uh, there's a term on TV tropes for which fridge logic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. where you, um, you, you know, watch you, it, you watch- you're like, yeah, hey, oh, no, 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 sure. And then you like, later you're going to the fridge to get something and you're like, wait a second. Why didn't they just, that doesn't make, yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, this movie is just really full of that. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's the future, you know, it's the far future. We've got spaceships, we've got, you know, robots basically indistinguishable from people. Uh, why does, like, a med pod chamber have to be configured for a specific gender and can't be switched by pressing the switch gender button? Yeah. That's, well, yeah, you know, like that's... maybe there's not enough storage space in the databanks in 
you know, the late 21st century to store all that extra woman part stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, like all I can think of is just like the Assassin's Creed thing. It's like, yeah, we didn't have enough time or budget to animate the lady. Uh, (laughs) It's just like, no, you you got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah. Well, this film is interesting to me. You know, let me set my mental scene here uh, because uh, I just watched it last night. Uh, and I'd been meaning to watch it before, but then I realized, I think I wrote to you yesterday to say, oh, hey, are we on for tomorrow? And you're like, I'm on in a few hours. Like, I will try and be in. Uh, uh, are, are we both just back from vacation now? I, I think maybe so, yeah. I was in Canada. Uh, where were you? I was in St. Louis. Uh, my, I was my 30th birthday, and my wife surprised me with tickets to St. Louis. Uh, and we went to St. Louis, so we hung out with uh, Greg Nog and uh, saw a bunch of things and went to an incredibly racist museum. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, you know, you know that big arch they have there. That's like, you know, St. Louis's pride and joy. Yeah. At the, at the base of it, like sort of underground, uh, there is a the Museum of Westward Expansion, which, who boy, wow. that was that was uh, that was that, was that uh, what they based Bioshock Infinite on, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, neat. That's. Yeah. I'm glad you went to a racist museum. Happy birthday! I know you yep. always <laughs> enjoy some good racism. Uh, so yeah. So yes. I. So I. I, I have just watched this uh, literally uh, ten hours ago. I, I got home from a Metafilter meetup last night and was like, "Well, it's either now or I get up in the morning and watch it uh, at seven a.m." And I figured I'd appreciate it more at night. So. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I sat down and watched it, and wife watched it with me. Dozed off at one point because it was really late, <laughs> and the movie was, you know, up and down in parts in terms of pacing. But uh, uh, it's a solid like twenty minutes too long. Yeah, it it, at least. it 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 could either have gotten more done or been less movie. Probably, I didn't have any super strong feelings about that. But yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't taut certainly. Uh, but yeah, so I did that, went to bed, got to sleep about two o'clock, got up at seven because, uh, I'm working today. So I have to be up either way. Uh, and, and so, yes, I'm on five hours of sleep. I've had like four cups of tea and I ate, uh, a piece of a like granola fruit bar and a store brand apple hand pie. Uh, so I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm really ready to podcast is where I am. And the movie is still super fresh and unreflected upon largely in my mind. So I'm excited to be able to contrast that against you having, you know, seen and thought and rewatched it. I think I've seen it like a half dozen times in the last two years. Like this is when, whenever that happens, like I, I think it's only happened so far with like the thing in Cabin in the Woods where this is like the third movie that I watched with a I Actually, I didn't watch it with a director's commentary because I have literally no, I, I don't want to know what Ridley Scott thinks about this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I really don't. There were things uh, so I thought was, about looking up with this morning, and then I just decided to just not look yeah. them up. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to run with it yeah. and and see how conversation with you yeah. goes about it, because I think that might be so, more fun. Yeah, and so I listened to the writer commentary, and it's just like, you know, we've got the commentary from the two writers who wrote two drastically different scripts <laughs> that were adapted into this movie. <laughs> and I thought it would be like, uh, what was it that I watched? It was, yes, yeah, so the, 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 both the Cabin in the Woods and the... Um, thing commentary cabin in the woods was joss whedon and uh oh, fuck the guy that wrote it like the, the co-writer on yeah, it i forget I what his name is and they're having conversation about it and then the thing was john carpenter and kurt russell and in this one you get the two writers but it's two separate commentary tracks they added into one so they don't they're not interacting <laughs> with each other and there's also like a 
non-zero amount of contempt for each other's script. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and and yeah, and also I, oh man, I I I lost track of. Um, it was uh, Damon, uh, Damon Lindelof and John Spates, and I think it's Lindelof that's kind of a dick. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking at his credits, and it, it seems to be, like, evening out, because at one point he was just like, oh, yeah, I just wrote this scene to, you know, get Charlize Theron naked. I'm like, well, that's that's a great thing to put in the commentary. I, I appreciate knowing that. And then just a whole bunch of other crap like that. Um uh, that I'm really glad a lot of it did not make it into the movie. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's Lindelof. I'm going to be feel really bad if <laughs> he listens to this podcast and it turns out to not be him. Hey. Sorry, bro. Yeah, Lindelof, uh, if you listen to this podcast and, and feel slighted, just drop us a line and we'll totally have you on a follow-up episode. That'll totally we, we'll let you, you know, air yourself out. Uh, I also watch, just want to note real quick, looking at IMDb, uh, if you search for Prometheus, you also see Prometheus 2 2016 pre-production. The plot is unknown at this time, and they've got Fassbender and uh, Numi Rapaz. Yes! So, God, so I there hope you go. it's just like a Futurama-type thing where she becomes like a badass like ship commander, and he's like a floating head in a jar, <laughs> and, and they just have adventures. That'd be great. Maybe she'll turn in. Maybe she'll turn out to be the actual space jockey on LV426. Hmm. Eh? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. okay, there's okay. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about in this film in terms of uh, its connections or not to the Alien franchise. And I have certain decisions made. The film hurt my feelings as someone with a large head cannon about the Alien <laughs> universe. So that's that's something I want to talk about in part. But uh, but one thing that is notable is the film seems to end with setting up potential further connections to the existing Alien franchise without really cementing any of them like at the end yeah uh elizabeth shaw flies off in the uh the ship the uh one of the other apparently many space jockey ships uh, uh apparently it, it, internally they called it the juggernaut the juggernaut okay she flies wait, off. no no wait no no she doesn't wait she doesn't fly off no the one that crashes is the juggernaut oh, okay that's she flies off in a different ship right she flies off in the shrugganaut it's like the juggernaut <laughs> but it's more blase about everything it's like, yeah, I'm exploring the universe, whatever, being piloted by a human. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she, she, she flies off with uh, Fassbender's head, David's head, uh, to presumably go find the origin planet of the space jockeys. I, sh- I should probably call them the engineers since that's what the, the film calls them. And yeah. space jockey doesn't af- appear, I think, in any of the films. Uh, as a phrase, but they're the space jockeys. They're the fucking space jockeys because that's what they've always been since you know people started writing dark horse comics about this stuff. Um, I don't remember if space jockeys is a term that was used beforehand. In, I think it was in the script. Yeah, was it in O'Bannon's script? It, I think it yeah, was. That might have been where it came I, from. I, I think the term space jockey predates the uh, predates the comics because I'm almost entirely sure I either in the commentary or something I read had like the people that worked on the original movie refer to it as that. Yeah. So yeah, this, the, the, she goes off. I guess she's trying to find the the home planet of the space jockeys to confront. Yeah, I mean, them. The, the, their their one meeting with like the one of them went so well. That yeah. Why not? So, yeah, we yeah. should we should uh, follow up on this. But yeah, so so at some point, another space jockey crashes on LV four twenty six with a boatload of alien 
eggs and that's where we go with alien and aliens and so on and they're uh, somewhat different than the one from this movie um and yeah that's the thing um is this contemporaneous with Alien? I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, no, I, I think, think this is, is. I think this is supposed to be earlier than Alien, but uh, it's an interesting question. Actually, I'll, I'll see if I can find if there's an official. Because I mean, with. you know, I I hope everybody's seen this movie. But spoiler alert: we get um, what is basically like the. You know, if uh, you know, there's no. You, you can't tell if it's the same universe or not. But you basically get the. This film's equivalent of the xenomorph, like it, it's the uh, there's a term for it now, stinger in the stinger, uh, or no, 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 actually it's just the last scene. It's not after the credits, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I can't remember how they did it. I don't well, know if they threw some credits up before. No, I think it was just the last scene, right? Right, yeah. Where you get the xenomorph, which um, you know, and like the life process of getting that thing into existence was super complicated. So this story might be. Oh, but then again, they had xenomorphs on like the uh, the murals and stuff. So I don't know because I was thinking this was like the origin story of like yeah. the xenomorph that yeah. we're familiar with, but it doesn't really. Yeah, I'm not sure how that tracks or not. I mean, that's a, that's a whole thing. Also, by the way, yeah. looking around, it looks like uh, Alien was probably sometime about 30 years later. Like Ripley was born in okay. 2092. So, um, okay. But that may be slightly inconsistent with some other date someone found on a scribbling somewhere. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. It looks like people have various bullshitty answers, but they're uh, the right. official wiki places it possibly not something that was scripted in the film originally, but at this point, apparently canonically, it was somewhere in the uh, early 22nd century. So a bit after Prometheus. Uh, but yeah, like it doesn't really matter because they don't seem to tie together necessarily. Although it'd be fun to try and tie them together and say somehow this leads to the space jockey. So yes, here's a possible explanation for Alien is that uh, Shaw and David's head fly off and they end up crash landing on LV-426 with a giant load of alien eggs that they've somehow acquired in the process. Who fucking knows? Uh, it seems kind of, kind of a stretch, but I think making a connection at all feels like kind of a stretch because it, I don't know. Yeah, the I mean, the entire life cycle thing is, like, it, it appears to be incredibly dependent on, like, the host animal, and there's a lot of host animals involved. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I mean, this has done nothing but just even further murky the waters on, like, the xenomorph life cycle. It added, like, you know, another two or three uh, <laughs> variations on, like, the face hugger and the, and, and the chest burster, and, and yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, what, what what do we have in this movie? We've got, like, the cobra thing, like the cobra face hugger thing. Uh, we've got the, um, like, the, the, the octopus that had a name. I, oh, man, oh, I think all of these things have names. I'm like, sure the, they do. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's the octopus thing that, you know, gets real big, and then there's uh, the deacon, which is like the xenomorph, the new, the newer version of the xenomorph with the second mouth that actually makes some sort of biological sense. Uh, <laughs> apparently, it's uh, the goblin shark does that, oh, which is a real thing. Yeah, it, it just sort of like extend it, extends its jaw out instead of... Um, Instead of like actually having like a second little mouth and a stick in its mouth, <laughs> which is 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I saw this movie in the theater the first time and just like watching the thing's jaw come out was just, I was just like, oh man, are they actually going to do the second mouth thing? And it does like the jaw thing. I'm like, oh shit, that's a lot cooler. Yeah, no, I, I was, um, I, it was a very pregnant moment there. I was like, oh, how are they going to, what are they, what are they going to do with it? Cause obviously the thing didn't look, you know, the same. Uh, yeah. Like it's conspicuously, uh, an alien, but it's also conspicuously not, um, there's a xenomorph, yeah. like a classic xenomorph. Yeah, it, it's clearly clearly a variation, you know, and and so it's kind of interesting to try and figure out where they're going with that exactly because, like, yeah, it's like I, it, it's really hard to know how to draw conclusions about what this is suggesting about like the alien, you know, morphology and right. and where all these things come from because like and is is the Z, the classic alien xenomorph just one specific variation uh, that can occur? But then how do they end up with all those eggs on that other ship? And, you know, is it the alien that we think of as a xenomorph, what you get when it comes out of uh, a, a space jockey rather than coming out of a human? But then once that's, that's created, you end up with the chest bursters that become their own stable cycle that keep coming out looking like aliens even when they come out of humans instead of looking like octopuses, uh, like Shaw's weird uh, baby Right. Oh man, that that was just the the, the scene where when just David is uh, David's contempt for people is just one of the best <laughs> things about this movie. Just the sheer amount of uh, of like I knowing that he is better than everyone he's dealing with, even though he has to like you know he's got instructions and he's got to follow them and he doesn't have much of a choice, but like. He clearly makes like a whole bunch of choices, and it's 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 just it's just like well, it's not exactly a traditional fetus, and like that <laughs> beaming smile. I'm like, oh my god! There was, um, yeah, no. David is like the best part of this movie for me. He was just watching he, him do anything. He was a lot of fun to watch, and uh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I liked by setting him up as this odd character, as this android <laughs> who wasn't human and who wasn't going to have. Uh, particularly human uh, motivations, you know, both both by itself and also in the context of androids as characters in the uh, existing alien films. Uh, really, yeah, it, it made it fun to watch him and sort of like try and even figure out what was going on motivationally uh, with him, and 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 to what extent when he seemed like he was being a dick, was it because? he's you know an android and so just doesn't have the same affect and to what extent is it because he's actually kind of being a dick because like you say that strong sense of contempt he has lines that really cement the idea that it's not just weirdness it's also him actually having an attitude about the whole thing yeah um yeah no he he was a lot of fun to watch he was uh a a plus plus good android would watch again um so yeah, if, if we do get to see his head floating around, uh, maybe it'll even get reattached to a body at some point. Because she did, she 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 grabbed his body too. So I guess the implication is. Maybe oh, oh that's right. We, 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 did they did they actually take the? What, I, I remember she put she put his head in the bag. What did she do with the body? Uh, she lowered she just, it like, down. Throw it in she the lowered back it of the, down uh, on the cord, and then, right. and then she put him his head in the bag and 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 yeah. repelled down after it. So the implication is that she, it was taking the body with. What was the line? Like, they had, like, that one last exchange when she was, like, putting his head in the bag and, like, she got, like, one more, like, jab about him being an android. And he was just like, what the fuck? And I remember what it was. I don't remember. I, I want to say she just said, like, uh, sorry about this as she was zipping up and, and, and he was like, it, it's perfectly all right or something. Uh, so, yeah, I don't remember exactly. Um, 
it's, that, that's the one weird thing about having just watched it and only seeing it one time through is like, you know, I was right. not picking apart the dialogue so much as just kind of, you know, listening to it. Uh, and not, not, you know, it dialogue wise, it's, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't really stand up. I, I was just talking about, uh, alien last night, uh, with some folks and trying to convey part of what I like about the, uh, sort of naturalistic feel of the dialogue and, and the very sort of vaguely petty human, uh, interruptions and, and all that and mumbling and so on. And this film really doesn't do that. It's the, the, the dialogue all feels very deliberate. Um, which isn't necessarily bad, but it doesn't necessarily serve all the scenes super well. Yeah, there's very, like, most of the dialogue is either exposition or somebody telling you how they feel. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but it's not, yeah. It doesn't make for gripping dialogue. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? There was a... Yeah, everybody, I was just going to just bring back to Dave, Dave for a second. I just, everybody is such a dick to him that just like even without trying, like it, 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 it's got to be, I, you know, I, you wonder why like a bunch of the androids in the alien universe keep like, you know, being, well, wait, hang on. What, what happened with Bishop and aliens? Uh, with Bishop, uh, Ripley really didn't like him because she had previously been dealing with Ash who was right. a horrible monster who tried to, you know, murder her and get everyone killed. Uh, and so then she meets Bishop early on, and they're do- the, the knife game happens, and then someone's he like, bleeds hey, white. Do- yeah, yeah, and, and she's like, get the fuck away from me, and hey, I guess you don't like the cornbread either, and so on. Um, and so she just trusts him throughout the film, uh, but sort of works with him out of necessity, and he gets torn in half at the end, but manages to save Newt from sliding out the airlock. And, and this is all after he disappeared from the landing bay where he dropped her off to go find Newt. And she came back and she's like, Bishop, you son of a bitch. But then he flies into frame. And he's like, Oh, the, the platform was unstable. Sorry about that. So it turns out he's not uh, betraying evil Android. He's actually a thoroughly good dude. And, uh, so it's like the redemption of the androids. And then there were no androids in Alien 3, and then in Alien Resurrection, right. we get the android revolt as part of the backstory of stuff that happened in the ensuing 200 years in Winona Rotor. Winona Rotor, uh, <laughs> famed actress Winona Rotor, uh, uh, was was the core android in that. And, and so, yeah, so all of that leads us, then we're traveling back to before any of that, and we've got David as this pre-Ash android uh where it wasn't clear to me how weird androids were supposed to be. Like maybe this was, maybe he was an unusual one, or maybe it was just like he was the one that happened to have been built by Wayland for these specific purposes, and maybe he was a little bit more advanced, or I don't know. Uh, the film doesn't really give us a lot to work with there as far as what the suggested details of android manufacturing and cultural acclimation are uh, at this point in the, the universe. I think they're supposed to be, like, regardless of how they appear or speak, I think, like, their mannerisms and behavior is just supposed to be so different than what's expected from a person that nobody at any point can forget that they're dealing with an android if they know they're dealing with an android, because yeah. then all you can see is just, like, the way that the android is different from you and that it's yeah. it's a thing and you're a person, which is why, you know, everybody is so shitty to him throughout the whole movie. I felt kind of bad for him. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's the closest thing I will have to a son, but he has no soul. Yes. It's like, come on. Wayland. But I mean, come you know, on. Wayland's a huge piece of shit, so. Yeah, I never watched any of, there was, there was like the promotional fake TED Talk 
uh, I, I forgot. I, I was having <laughs> trouble figuring out. That. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's a thing, and I, I saw like a little clip of it. It was like this is when they were doing the run up the promotion. They had uh, you know a young uh, Ted Wayland or whatever his first name is. Uh, Peter. Peter, Peter Wayland, yeah, Peter that Wayland, sounds right. Yeah. Uh, they, they had him giving like a TED talk in like twenty forty or something. Or, or was it Guy Pierce? Yeah, and so so and, and yeah, so you actually got to see Guy Pierce not in crazy old man makeup if you watch some of the tie-in promotional materials. Uh, yeah, there was um, there was actually a, a scene that I don't think they even shot, but they were the, the reason that well, like uh, I, you know, this confuses a lot of people. They're like, why don't you just get an old man to play the old man? But apparently, what was supposed to happen is you know that really quick scene when uh, David's got like the like that yellow helmet on, and he's just saying, "Okay, sir, yeah, okay, I, I'll I'll do that." And then he's got the confrontation with Vickers, where she's just like, "What did he tell you?" Yeah. Um. So apparently, that's supposed to be like uh, that was supposed to be a much more extended scene where like where david is like in a full vr environment like on a beach and then he goes off and like he's picked up on a jet ski and he goes to a yacht and on the yacht is you know peter whalen's idealized version of himself which is normal guy pierce and that's why they got the the guy pierce to play like the very old man which you see they were supposed to have this scene but then they took that scene out and it (laughs) you know it made no sense why they would you know get him to play that character yep I mean, he was fine, but yeah, why not just yeah? Yeah, Gene, like is Gene Hackman still alive? Let's say Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I hope Gene Hackman's still alive. I like Gene. No, Hackman. not Gene Hackman. What the hell is it? Oh no! Oh wait, no, he was in the other Aliens movie. Shit, I was going to say Harry. Uh, shit, what is his name? The guy was in Repo Man as well. Oh, Harry Dean Stanton. It's Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, but no, that wouldn't work. That would have been great. What if it turned out that Peter Wayland uh, just had some, you know, no good Nick grandson who got stuck on a freighter somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How about old Leonardo DiCaprio from Inception? That should be just be an actor now. Yes. Just yes. like, you know how like in, in, in video games like they'll have like an alternate costume for a person and eventually in a sequel it gets split off into a separate character? Old Leonardo DiCaprio from Inception should be a totally separate actor. Totally, totally. Uh, you know, okay, so talking about the Android thing, uh, David... An interesting thing, as I was watching the film, and it opens up, and we get sort of uh, uh, after after the 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 little bit at the beginning with the uh, dude self-immolating his genetic structure, um, we get to space, you know, and. Uh, Oh, just one quick thing about, like, that opening scene where, like, the engineer decomposes. Like, they're flying, you know, what looks like a traditional UFO, but as it departs, when he's falling apart, it departs vertically, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it was kind of neat. Get away from the expectation of, oh, yeah, just a flat hovering disc. No, no, it's go wherever it wants. Um, So we were introduced to the, uh, the Prometheus, the ship... Uh, via David, who's awake when no one else is awake, and I went into this knowing that he was an android because it's been a point of you know reference a, a, a lot. Um, but I feel like maybe the film was trying to not give that up necessarily, and it's hard for me to look at it through that lens because, like, I think if I had gone into the film completely cold, like no previous mm-hmm. experience with the Alien franchise or whatnot, I could have really been like, "Wow, this guy's a little bit weird." Uh, and, and maybe I would have guessed that he was an android, or maybe I would have wondered about it. But but I didn't really get an opportunity to analyze it like that because like he's super great at basketball, 
uh, twirling a basketball all right, bike basketball. around, you know. But he could just be like a weird twitchy dude, you know. And so, I, I, did you have thoughts on what the film was trying to do there? I, I mean, I think if you were going into this knowing um, anything about the aliens' continuity, I think they were trying to make it pretty obvious that he's an android. Especially because, like, you get the idea that you know you get this empty ship, but it's not an empty ship because they tell you how many people are on the ship. And you know, again, like you know, it's a callback to Alien that everybody's in cryo sleep. Why isn't he in cryo sleep? And then you see him like with these weird abilities, and then you see him like studying human behavior, and then. I, I think you you know you're yeah. supposed to add it all up and be like okay yeah this this guy is almost definitely an android and if you're not going into it with that knowledge I definitely think you're supposed to think that something about this guy is very very different from regular people and that he doesn't know people very well yeah just because of the way he's like watching the movie and like reading the lines back and repeating them to you know sound more something and you know you're not sure i guess if you're not sure what it is in the beginning quickly you know you pretty quickly realize that it's to sound more human um although i think the thing that that he was dying his roots is hilarious <laughs> that like this android did not come blonde and that he has decided to be blonde because he's got a crush on peter o'toole yes well, and I, that was that was a fun little thing with yeah. that character. I, I like I like the idea that you know we're getting this sort of glimpses of the development of his sort of uh, T. E. Lawrence complex, maybe like the idea that he has come to identify super strongly with uh, this historical character. And if you look at the film and all the decisions he makes through that lens, you can sort of buy into this idea that he's not. Uh, just like compelled to poke things he actually wants to you know create a thing he wants to lead a thing he wants to spearhead some sort of uh new chapter in i don't know uh humanoid uh yeah he definitely gets like a thrill out of exploration yeah he's you know he's you know he's following his programming but he's like, unlike Ash, who's just like, all right, well, you know, do this and do this. He is, like, really eager to do things. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, it, it's hard to tell why. It could be that just, like, you know, he really desperately wants to please Wayland, which is, you know, again, like, it's it, it, it's hard to say how much of his behavior is his programming and how much of his behavior is just like a natural, like, you know, emerging out of his programming. And one of those emergent behaviors is this like supreme eagerness to, you know, uh, just do something, get, yeah. you know, do something, which is great because like, it just ends up being that he will, he is just like, he will push every button. He will pull every lever. <laughs> be like here, uh, eat this. Um, there's actually a really great animated GIF um, that you know I'll, I'll post it in the Tumblr post where it's it's just uh, you know it's just like a really cute drawing of David and he's just got his arms going up and down with his fingers extended so it just looks like he's poking buttons and like the background just keeps changing to like different backgrounds from the movie like the side <laughs> of the wall the spaceship like the uh, the thing that he was like reading people's dreams in and uh, Wayland's foot and it's it's just it's it's just like a perfect summary of like his role in this movie which is just like all right <laughs> buttons okay <laughs> it's almost like being um, he's almost like you know a character in uh like you know a third 
person like exploration game where like if there if you see that there's something to be pulled or pushed or anything you know you have to do that yes. it's you know it's it's like it's as the player it's it's in your programming that chances are that is going to lead you to your goal because otherwise it wouldn't be there and that's yeah. like exactly the same thing in, in, in David's head yeah. which is which is great and you know just like the fact that the 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 motivating force behind like all of this movie is just David's sheer eagerness to make things somewhat weirder is is great I, uh, brief sidetrack but on the whole press a button because it's their thing I was actually really delighted with the Wasteland Two came out recently, which is the long. Oh, long I can't wait till that later. drops down to yeah. a reasonable price on Steam. <laughs> it's I'm really happy with it, but I'm a big fan of the old Fallout games. I never played the original Wasteland. I actually tried to play a little bit recently. Um, it's but it's I, the, a really really old interface. Yeah, I played it in college. I almost beat it, and then I got a, a friend of mine like started at the same time, and he's a much much better at video games than I am, and he beat it. Um, but yeah, it's a super hard game and it's very, very old. Um, like it's definitely rewarding if you sit through it and it's got like, it's got as much, um, it's got as much like original material and like great ideas in it as Fallout, like maybe even more. Like I, it would, it's almost like on the level of Fallout 2 with the amount of like original ideas in it. There's just not as many. Um, but you have to get past a lot of the just bizarre interface and just weird decisions that they make. Like, there's a finite amount of ammunition in the game. Yeah. You can run out of ammo forever yeah. in, in Wasteland. So, yeah. Um, but I really want to play Wasteland, too. But it's like, what is it, like 60 bucks? I, I don't know. I, I, I kickstarted it because I'm a, I'm a true ah. believer. So I think I got it for less than retail uh, by paying you know two years ahead of time. Is, but it, anyway, is it good? It's good. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's it, it's a good time. It, it's really taking me back to the old Fallout games. Uh, you know, it does some things differently, and, and the Wasteland universe is slightly different from the Fallout universe because Fallout was as much as anything a dodge yeah, by them to get around the fact that they didn't have control of their own IP when they and it was also the uh, is the, I mean the original Wasteland it it was not nearly as satirical as Fallout is is the new one like that uh, I I would say the new one is a little bit less goofy than than Fallout as well yeah uh, it's trying to be a like little it, bit more it's serious. like it doesn't do like that like retro fifties like Pip Boy you know happy illustrations new Coca Cola thing it was really just like straight up you know like survivalist yeah this, uh, this, this is more this is more yeah. Mad Max ish. Uh, in general, it's still it's still got a sense of humor, but it's not quite as balls out goofy. Uh, but anyway, the only reason I bring it up is there is a point in the game where you get into a, a major like uh, friendly plot area, uh, sort of the the first big hub that opens up, and in it is a museum of old stuff, and included in that museum of old stuff is a, a, a nuclear bomb uh, <laughs> that they've got, and at that nuclear bomb, there's a red button. And you should save your game <laughs> before you press that button uh, because <laughs> it, it makes the nuclear bomb explode, and then you get a super bad ending. And you know it doesn't it doesn't say are you sure or anything. You just press it, and it's like, well, the thing goes off, and then uh, the bomb explodes, destroying you know, killing you and everyone within a mile. And uh, someone might have come back and rebuilt, but just then, you know, an invading army of robots destroyed the world. You know, and. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the biggest like but I'm play I'm supposed to press the buttons. That's what you do. It's the game. 
<laughs> so yeah, apparently there's a couple spots like that, but uh, that one's the uh, that's the one just I found. As a- super quick aside about something like that way back like i think in high school there was an old like viking third party like action game a third person action game called rune yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're just yeah you're just a viking and you go around and you chop shit up and you know you solve like these very very minor platforming puzzles and like a friend of mine was stuck at some point and I'm, he's just like you know walking around the stage for like tw- you know 10 15 minutes trying to figure it out i'm just like well look there's like a little log thing holding up that pillar maybe you can chop that he's just like no, dude that doesn't do anything i'm like come on just go ch- chop the thing he's like all right fine look i'm chopping i'm chopping and as he says that he chops the plank of wood and the column just collapses directly onto him <laughs> and um yeah, since then the phrase I'm chopping, I'm chopping became a, a running joke about doing something along those lines and then having it backfire hilariously. Um, but yes, so, Prometheus. David poking the <laughs> Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, oh, there was yeah. another really interesting thing they brought up in the commentary. Uh, and I, I feel... Every time I watch the commentary, I'm like, how much of the commentary should I mention? Because, like, how much of, like, the failed goals of the writers are really important to what's going on in this movie? <laughs> um, but one of the things that they wanted to to do and imply was that the engineers uh, don't see the, – the engineers see beyond the visual spectrum – Okay, and so does David, and the reason that David knew how to like activate all the stuff and do all those things is that they is that you know there's instructions on everything, but nobody can see them because they don't see in the spectrum in which yeah. the directions appear, and they never you know they never put that in, which makes it just seem like David you know sort of figures out uh you know he's 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 very good at those kind of games i guess so he he figures out like the right buttons to press on like a almost completely uh almost completely like obtuse interface of just you know holes in the wall and goop yeah that just happens to replace security camera footage <laughs> yeah, I did. you know that made me think of uh, as long as we're talking about video games, that made me think of Dark Souls and 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 the previous game, Demon Souls, uh, where you're exploring a very very dangerous, very deadly world, generally speaking. Uh, but sometimes you come across these like echoes of other people who had died, so you can sort of see you get a warning maybe about uh, a trap or a monster coming up by seeing some ghostly figure running away or, or getting in a fight with someone or being crushed by something. Right. Uh, and yeah, very much it's like, Oh man, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's dark souls, the, the movie. So just a little bit of resonance for me there. I think system Sh- was system shock Two the first game that made ghosts like out of VR things. Cause I think in system shock Two, when you're wandering around, like the ship, like projects VR, yeah, like I think so. Scenarios, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know if it was first, but yeah, I need to go back and finish it. I just recently started playing it for the first time, like this last year. Did you install the high res patch? Um, there's like a there's a high res texture. I think I did. Uh, I think I did. Yeah, because I, I I think it looked not as ugly as I should have expected it yeah. to. Um, I, I used to have to play that game in like 15 minute increments because it scared <laughs> the crap out of me so bad. I got pretty into it. I I I may be a little bit too jaded on. Uh, creepy suspensey uh games at this point so it's a lot harder to really properly get to me but uh but i i i I found it very engaging and i definitely was edge of my seat trying to sneak around and stuff at times um yeah i'm actually thinking like the first time i played it was in 2003 and there weren't a lot of like actually good horror games yet um 
not not for the PC at least. I yeah. mean, there was like the Silent Hill games, but like for the PC, like the uh, the horror was never like you know like the oh shit, what the fuck is behind me kind of horror. It yeah. was always like like Lovecrafty and like you know hor- horrifying freezes or, or something like that. Yeah, um, I would say at that point maybe like Half Life was probably still one of the high water marks for like really sort of tense, creeping sections. You know, and it was a lot. It had a lot of running around, shooting too. But uh, there were right. periods like in Half Life where you are very much sort of trying to avoid detection and sneaking around and sort of worrying about something surprising you. Uh, but that even wasn't obviously that much of a horror game. So, but yeah. Anyway, video games are great. This has been video <laughs> games are great. I'm your host, Josh. <laughs> uh, well, because now I want to say also Alien Isolation. Uh, is yeah, we didn't talk about that now. at all last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, it's not have you played bad. It? I haven't. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait till it gets cheaper, just because I. Right. I've I've already got too many games that I'm not playing right now. Buying more on retail is sort of silly. Right. Uh, but what, uh, I, what I what I've heard about it is that half of it is like one of the best PC games that has been put out in in recent memory, and the second half of it feels like a bunch of execs said, "Hey, this game needs to be about twice as long." Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard as well. It's like it's got some really, really strong sections, but it doesn't necessarily manage to stick it through to the end. Which is, uh, I'll, I'll take it because you know I'm, I'm willing to sort of play a, a flawed game that has good parts to it. And uh, hey, it's Alien, and it sounds like sounds like all in all, they got a whole lot closer to the the Alien's creepy, terrifying menace that will kill you feeling than uh, has gotten done in any previous game. So. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, yeah, you mostly get like the aliens thing where they're just like cannon fodder, basically. Yep. Cannon fodder is the stuff you shoot at, not the stuff that goes in the cannon, right? Right, right. Um, yes, you're you're fodder for the cannon fire, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this this movie. I don't. I, I, I've already beefed a little bit about. I'm going to call them space jockeys, not engineers. But but I, I'm not sure. I perfect I, i'm not sure i've explicitly enunciated this so far it really really bugged me that they that it turned out that it's just a helmet because i yeah. fucking love the weird creepy alienness of these giant elephantine monsters implied by uh the film and and the comics have done some fun stuff with that canonically making those be those big creatures i think we <laughs> talked about this on a previous podcast yeah. I, I think that the fact that it is a helmet like I think the the design was always conceived in mind with the fact that it's supposed to look like a helmet. Oh sure, and and the but, idea uh, yeah. is like some alien fighter pilot helmet and looks a bit like you know yeah like a a, a, a Russian fighter pilot in a in a MIG or whatever. Yeah, I, I think there was like supposed to be like this specifically it was supposed to be ambiguous whether it's a head or a helmet, and that itself is supposed to be strange and weird. Yeah, and then when you you know when it's definitely a helmet and there's just like a you know a muscly blue guy under there, it's it's definitely a bit of a what do you call it a um, fucking letdown. Yeah, yeah, one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I think the idea is interesting, and I, I get that it's a twist too. I, I get that it's a twist, and in the service of the idea that the engineers are the seed race that have created uh, presumably humanoid life all over the place in the in the galaxy. Uh, but who but is it a twist human for? That's the thing. It's like it's a twist for someone familiar with. Uh, 
the moment they're just like, oh shit, grab but- the head, grab the head, and you see the head, you you know it's a helmet at that point because you, we've only been in how many? Because I mean, how many like eight foot tall, enormous engineers are species? Different species are they going to introduce that one of them looks like a big blue guy and one of them looks like a you know an elephant head? You know, yeah. I, you're that yeah. There wasn't like I, it was almost entirely like given away by the time they're just you know I, they show you like the plopped off head I, I had not made the connection yet but I think that was mostly just out of wanting to believe like at that point I was already the the holographic running of those dudes struck me as uh, like two things first of all that looks way too much like a dude running you know that's like that's yeah. a, a very tall person which is kind of like eh, that's not how I would have like imagined it and and also they also didn't look big enough, and that's maybe me just not quite remembering the scale. And maybe at the end of the film, when we see the guy strapping in, and sort of like the exoskeleton suit comes over him, I guess that could make him look bigger than he actually was. But yeah, it it, it I, they looked too human, even with the helmet still on. Uh, they didn't look big enough for my personal sense of the scale of them. And then from there, it just sort of went to the point where... Yeah, the model design of, like, the engineer as, like, the space jockey strapped into, like, you know, the big dick gun thing, which was so much less phallic in this movie, which so disappointing, um, was, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's different. Like, in, like in, in Alien, you get the idea that this is just, like, an enormous, like, you know, like, almost, like, Baron Harkonnen, like, huge figure strapped into this enormous machine in a way that, you know, it's probably grown into it. And, like, yeah, when it turns out that it's just, you know, a, uh, you know, that, that it's, like, just a dude in a hat strapped into a thing, it's a, it's a lot less exciting of a, of a, of an image. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, and so, yeah, so, so, so it seems like there's the twist and, and the twist is there and maybe that compensates for it. And so in service of, oh, you thought it was one kind of weird alien, but it's actually another kind of oddly more familiar weird alien. And oh, it all falls together. But it's like, but I wanted it to be the, the weirder thing. I wanted it yeah. to be the less, you know, less, less prosaic. Oh, it's kind of like a human, but not quite explanation. So that was, that was, that was a thing that just like the, there's no way the film can really apologize for that. You know, Ridley Scott and the writers made a decision that is not the decision I would ever have made there because it, it's just not what I wanted. And, and there's no way for me to be, you know, objective about that. Yeah. I can't say like, yeah. you know, clearly objectively speaking, this was an incorrect decision, yeah. you know, but it's not what I wanted, I, man. Yeah. And I feel like some of it was in service of like being like, holy shit, they've got the same DNA we do, but like they didn't have to. Yeah, you know they they could have uh, you know well, why couldn't they be like oh you know they've got because I kept getting I was talking to somebody about this and they were just like you know what their favorite part about like the the whole engineer thing is that if their DNA is identical then it's completely um, you know an environmental thing that we look like we do and uh, engineers look like engineers do if the DNA is totally identical and then I kept getting this confused with the uh, scene in the fifth element where it's just like yeah, look at our DNA it's a bunch of links look at theirs it's incredibly dense you know <laughs> many many more links and I'm just like is that from this movie and yeah no it's not so you know their DNA yeah. is identical but it's just like it didn't have to be, be like oh look you know we have all these identical alleles or, yeah. or whatever you know we're clearly related to them yeah but, it, seems, you know, it seems like there's a bunch of really really strong unassailable markers here that establish that we have the same genetic basis would have made a lot more sense than the DNA is a match which yeah it, 
Yeah, that's the other thing. So, okay, so the guy drinks, the, if we assume that, like, the first scene takes place either on or Earth, or that they did the an identical thing on Earth, which we, either one or the other is yeah. definitely the what they're getting is at. The that, yeah, human yeah. life on Earth at least uh, came from... Yes, an engineer. Yeah, that. So, you know, he drops in, like, the, the DNA recombines with other shit in the water. How did that eventually make, you know, like, a lizard that turned into a little primate thing, that turned into a monkey, that turned into a person? Like, this seems like a... Not the best idea. Did they keep coming back and just, like, you know, poking the monkey with, like, a stick and being like, hey, was there, like, a 2001 thing where, you know, there was, like, a specific guided evolution of one specific species, even though, like, they had influence on all the species? You know, it's that part is just totally opaque to me. Yeah, uh, the, like, the, why? How did, like, the thing in the beginning eventually lead to people? You know, yeah. it, it it doesn't seem like a good plan. Well, yeah, and and it's whether or not it's a good plan or not. Like, I'm willing to run with it and say, okay, well, that's just how it works. That's what they did. Sure, um, they seed life by having a guy kill himself in a weird, terrible way on a planet, and then that creates life. But the the that opening scene really doesn't tell us whether this is this is the source of all life on Earth or this is the source of specifically the human type strain of life on Earth. Because like, if their DNA was basically human dna then it seems like seeding all life from that doesn't make sense because you'd have a whole lot of stuff working backwards but maybe it does some magical fragmentary stuff uh why they do it by having a guy kill himself instead of just dumping a bunch of goop in the water i'm not really clear how is the dna still identical after at least several hundred thousand years of evolution yeah or like did it work its way up to that like it was there like some sort of a like a thing that like told the dna that eventually like it has to look like this and you know to get there any way it can and that's why we're like you know pink monkey things and they're big blue things yeah and uh yeah it's here okay so here here's one potential take on this too i i, I just i don't have any good answers for these questions that's and that's a complaint about the film that it simultaneously decided to say hey let's go in these new directions with some of the backstory ideas and then didn't really you know give us much material which hey maybe prometheus 2 will get right on that but uh, oh yeah yeah i'm sure the, it'll probably be a dense scientific exposition uh on the life cycles of various forms of life in the universe oh one of the things in the just real quick one of the things in the commentary was that like one of the writers not lindelof but like the original writer he was just like i wanted to pose a lot of open questions i didn't want to give give any answers i just i, I wanted to ask questions i'm just like why are you doing it with this canon then do you know who's watching this movie people that want like concrete <laughs> answers <laughs> and have wanted them for about 40 years um yeah, that's. But yeah, you were saying. Uh, so 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 here's here's one possible approach to explaining some of this stuff. Maybe the engineers aren't the guys we're calling the engineers. Maybe the engineers that we see, the big humanoid dudes, are in fact just one handy uh, genetic vehicle for the actual engineers, which is the weird amorphous black goop. Maybe that is the actual motive force. Uh, behind all of this rather than being some sort of uh, useful tool of them because it seems to be a, a profoundly uh, uh, productive source of generic genetic uh, synthesis like it's growing weird snakes out of it and seems super adaptable so maybe the engineers maybe the the the, the, the humanoid looking dudes 
are just uh, really handy, well-trained, well-refined host material that they've they've found that producing those is a good thing. Are they shoggoths? Uh, I don't. I don't actually. Know Isn't the that where the, the, the shoggoths were? They were. They were made by the old ones to like do their work for them. Then sure, yes. Because the old ones were like you know plants, basically. Yeah, or or, or, or golem. Maybe they're maybe they're all uh, a bunch of golem. Right. Oh, that makes sense too. Um, but in any case, yes, it could be that it's not so much that those are the weird, furious forefathers of life in the universe. Those could just be the uh, segues of the actual forefathers of life in the universe. Uh, and, and so, so they're just like a, a handy sort of slave race of uh, beefy humanoid-looking dudes going out and doing a bunch of work. But it's all being driven by the black goo. Uh, that was in those urns and stuff. Uh, the black goo stuff. So it's really interesting because obviously the the, the urns uh, are the analog to eggs in this film. You know, it's unavoidably there's a ton of yeah. direct comparison straight across in terms of sort of like both visual and sort of narrative role of these things. They are vaguely ellipsoid containers that contain terrible forms of life that invade hosts. You know, that's... And they're arrayed in a juggernaut or a shrugganaut or whichever ship they're in, and uh, and yeah, so they've got this sort of destructive power and insidious form of life coming out of these you know ovular containers. Uh, but it's totally not eggs, and it's totally not chest you know you know face huggers and it's and- like Final Fantasy like hit point potion flasks. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, one of the interesting things about this film, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about all of it. Uh, I definitely have mixed feelings about various aspects of this. But it was really interesting to watch this looking at it just from the perspective of playing with known themes in the Alien franchise. And the fact that there's a bunch of scenes that parallel scenes from other films and feel like either very intentional callbacks or surprisingly inadvertent callbacks – because uh, you would assume that the writers have probably seen the other movies, um, right? But yeah, the, the whole egg versus urn thing is a is a big thing. Uh, the calling back and setting up of the uh, the space jockey ship and the the pilot chamber and whatnot that's obviously really running directly with it. It's not even just a parallel. Uh, but then you know David as an android and the idea of like android misfit with uh, human motivations and whatnot. Uh, Plugging in a severed head to communicate with it yeah, twice, that, that, twice, which, which the effects much much nicer uh, in this one than in Alien. So that was one of our complaints uh, back then. So good job, Ridley Scott. You fucking nailed the uh, the visual effects on the talking dismembered android head this time out. Um, the the cryo chambers, as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. the whole ship Prometheus really echoes of of the Nostromo. Um, Bringing in new Geiger art, like you know, so there's a lot of stuff here that feels like it's very much a specific reaction to the existence of the the previous films. Um, it'd be really interesting to sit down and just sort of like cut way, this up along um, with them and sort of yeah. side by side some of these scenes. When she, uh, the way that like the uh, the the squid thing that when when the machine like takes it out of her abdomen, like the way that it's still in the the sack thing looks very very much like uh, what the inside of the like remember like the eggs in Alien were like sort of see through when they looked at them from a certain angle or where they yeah. illuminated them or something yeah yeah that looked almost exactly like what you saw in there 
Yeah, um, that, that, that seemed like a very, yeah, a very uh, strong uh, yeah. parallel there. Which I always thought that was, I was always slightly confused by that in Alien, the whole light shining through the side of it. Because I, I had this impression otherwise of the eggs as being very opaque. But then, yeah. You yeah, like leathery. I, yeah, I have no idea what, like, it could be. Uh, I, yeah, I don't even know if, like, we were the only ones seeing that or if they saw it as well. Um, there was um, there was a really when the snake was attacking uh, what's his name Myland, no uh, Milman Mormon <laughs> Millhouse I think it was Millhouse uh, Millhouse Mil- Milburn yeah. Milburn Milburn yeah um, just like when Fifield tries to get it off him it tightens which is the exact same thing that the yeah. face hugger did uh, which was just like you know a really nice brief callback and yeah. you know the way that it went into his mouth as well yeah. and. Um, yeah, I think Lind- I think it was Lindelof that at one point was just like, you know, he wanted to have a scene where um, just two scenes that I'm so glad did not make it into the movie. Uh, one is that the it, rather than, you know, like David uh, Poison's, uh, what's his name? I can't get anybody's fucking name in this movie. <laughs> Holloway, right? I think. Holloway. Uh, Holloway's drink. Holloway impregnates uh, Shaw, and then Shaw has to give birth to this thing. Um or, you know, it gets a cut out of her. Uh, originally, what was going to happen was that David was going to, like, actually, like, a, basically assault Shaw with a face hugger, and then she would have to, like, get it out of her, and then I think that was one of the variations. The other variation was that it was... Oh, no, 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 no. So it was two things were going to happen. The first one was that... Um, Holloway would be infected somehow, and the chestburster would come out of him while they were fucking... <laughs> So there was that scene that never made it in there. And the other one was that David was basically going to, like, latch a face hugger onto her, and then she would wake up, and then she would have, like, you know, this very brief amount of time, because she knew exactly what would happen, because it would have happened, you know, to Holloway while they were fucking, uh, what happened to her shortly, and then, like, that's how, like, that scene was supposed to play out. And I'm yeah. really glad that yeah. did not make it into the final movie. It's just been so fucking dumb. Um, yeah, I... Yeah. Yes, definitely. I uh yeah, and that's actually interesting the the, the chain of events there uh that you mentioned from for the actual film version. So we've got uh David takes a sample of the the black goo. He puts that in Holloway's drink. Did so you catch he, the, so uh, the uh, Whalen Corporation thing on his fingertip? I did not. Oh, when oh, he's, yes, so, yes, know, when yes, he's yes, like, a little, the, like, yeah, yeah. His, his fingerprints have a, like, Whalen logo in the, yes. Uh, yeah, that was cute. I, you know, I saw it, but I didn't quite place what it was. I saw the triangular pattern that was obviously not, you know, organic fingerprints, but, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, so, so, so David infects Holloway with the goo. Holloway infects, uh, and the way Shaw. he infects it w- w- was great. Did you, did you notice that? When, like, David is, like, standing above him, above him, and, like, his finger with the goop is just, like, hovering above Holloway's drink, and Holloway's, like, piss drunk. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, so, what would you do to really find out what the engineers want? Holloway's like, I'd do anything. He's like, boop, here you go. Yep. Let's drink to that. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Uh, and also, it happened also, like, right after, like, uh, Holloway had insulted David yet again, being like, it's just like, you know, <laughs> did you, it's like, 
it's like why did you it's like why did humans make us david you know david says that referring to androids and Holloway's just like uh because we could i guess and he's just like do you understand how disappointing it would be to hear that <laughs> and then you know so not only does he you know get to accomplish his thing and then they mention this in the commentary that like you know that's what that was overrode like you know david has some like ethical programming in him because you know he saves sean holloway uh when they're like you know being stormed out um and he's just like yeah all it was just like one of those like all you had to do was ask things where it's just like oh you'll do anything no problem here you go um and uh yeah so that was plus you know it's revenge sort of which is just great to see from a robot getting revenge yeah and it was nice to see him like yeah in a position where we actually sympathized at all i mean i don't think totally but still somewhat sympathized with the the Android honestly, I, I found are. him to be the single most sympathetic <laughs> character in this movie. To some extent, that's just not saying much, though, because like there was no. not a whole lot of sympathetic character anywhere in this movie. Like you would sort of like Shaw's not really a, a Ripley analog as much as it might seem like it's going to be set up that way. You know, you yeah. don't really get that sort of sense of getting behind her on stuff, even if you sort of cheer for the the gutsiness at times of like trying to get out of a, a bad situation. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a movie with a lot of sympathy, which is not really super weird for an aliens movie. I mean, I, I would say aliens itself is probably the major exception there where they really tried to give you, uh, some sympathetic good feelings about various Marines who then got killed. Uh, but yeah, other than Ripley, generally it's like people are kind of, and even Ripley was always kind of a, yeah. you know, more of a badass than a, a specifically likable person. She, like she was never right. a personable character. Um, for the most part, so yeah, I, so I guess that's not weird, but yeah, it's it's not uh, not a whole lot of people uh, inspiring strong feelings of affection and, and worry, <laughs> I guess, in this film. <laughs> Fifield and Milburn, it's like it's a shame that they died, but at the same time, it's like oh, these are these two goofballs who are kind of like petulant assholes who want to bail. And okay, I really hope that just like Fifield and it, it they, I, I wish there was like just like an alternate version of like. You know, just like a universe split off from this one where they survive and they just go on to have stupid adventures on other planets <laughs> and, like, you know, keep fucking up around other forms of alien life. Yeah. Did we ever see Milburning? Like, like Fifield ends up showing back up outside and, like, fucking people up uh, in the ship's, like, entry bay. But I don't remember if... No, Milburn just like gets that thing in him and uh, that that's... I think that's it. Okay. I think he just killed him. That was it. Yeah. Um, God, what was I saying? I was I, I, I was thinking about. Oh, you, so you were so David puts the thing in his drink. Oh yes, yeah, so David Holloway's puts it in his drink. Ho- Holloway then puts the infection into Shaw, who then has it extracted, and then it ends up infecting the uh, surviving engineer, who then ends up uh, giving birth to our weird quasi xenomorph. Uh, which is a weird chain to go through. To, and, it, you know, again, there, there could be the argument that it is by such a protracted series of maneuvers that you end up with the xenomorph version of whatever is going on here. But that seems very silly and hard to countenance, uh, like 30 years later, having a ship full of alien eggs if that was the genesis of that whole line of things. So, yes, I Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think it might be one of those. Uh, I don't want to spoil Pacific Rim. I don't even know if this is a spoiler or not, though. 
but you know just like it could be you know like genetically engineered variations on a theme where yeah. you know like you know in in the regular whatever like the army or something you know you get like this this you know tank has these kind of rockets this tank has this kind of rockets it could be one of those sort of things where you know like for this kind of planet we need like the 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 you know the 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 the, the, the vases with the flasks in them for this planet we need the eggs you know yeah. it could be just they have like this whole variety of, of different things and then they use whenever, whenever it's appropriate they use that one and you know just in the two separate movies they happened upon two separate versions but you know like uh, it kind of hangs together yeah, it's, and there was um, is, was it implied that like the cobra face hugger thing was a mutated worm? I'm not sure because we definitely because there was some, all those worms yeah, hanging like, around, like, like wormy or maggoty looking things mm-hmm. uh, on the ground. Like when they first went into the the mm-hmm. chamber with a giant head statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we we see like a close up on like yeah. footstep, and then as the foot moves away, then there's a couple yeah. little worms rolling around. And then uh, when the thing starts leaking, there's a bunch of them hanging out at the base, yeah. like swimming around in the black liquid. Also, the black liquid that comes off the vase thing is that the same? That that's not the same as the black liquid that's in the flasks, but it's related somehow. I was not clear on what the idea was there because it seemed like some of it was just straight up coming off the top of them, and some of it was yeah. maybe leaking out. Uh, yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't sure what the implication was supposed to be there, why the stuff was on top exactly. But but when they first went in there, I think David was looking close at the top of one of the urns, and it seemed like it was sort of bubbling and whatnot. And, you know, we see this th- th- that sort of theme visually uh, a couple other times, too, with like sort of like black fluid type stuff yeah. sort of uh, on the, the, the dead engineer's head that they sort of trick back into being alive for a little bit before it then yeah. explodes. You know, and the stuff a, that the engineer drinks at the beginning yeah. was also like black fluid that was sort of moving by itself. Exactly. Maybe the flasks were like extruding it upward through the top of the vase. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's very you know small, porous, and we just didn't get a close enough look to detect those, and so it's yeah. No. Maybe I don't know. It's like it's it, it's confusing. I think they were a little overambitious with the. Uh, with all like the egg slash xenomorph related stuff, they I think they had a lot of ideas about what they wanted to see, and a lot less ideas about how to link them in you know sort of like a, a logical, you know like a biologically logical way where you you can understand the progression of one form of life to the other. Yeah. I mean you know there's all sorts of animals that have like you know I mean there's like crabs or some sort of crustaceans or underwater things that go through like four or five different phases of life and can even go back and forth between them yeah. but in this movie like considering that there's host animals involved it's just totally unclear what the hell was going on. Yeah and you know I mean one thing I could get behind is I like the idea that maybe the black goose stuff really is just uh uh, a, a basic, you know, precursor form of you know, basically a, a, a larval form of a super, super duper adaptable pile of genetic, you know, material. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's something that just really is this sort of amorphous life form that you know has an incredibly varied ability to, to transmute itself into all sorts of you know actual phenotypes of. Of, of of creatures and whatnot, depending on the situation, and, and as a as like an engineered weapon, if you want to think maybe it's that versus something just sort of naturally evolved, it could be something that, like you say, could be sort of built in with a bunch of parameters that it can select based on the environment to do all sorts of various. Uh, 
<laughs> form-taking processes. Right. But yeah, it's like the film doesn't give us any of that. Like I, I'm yeah, the closest I can come is that like the 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 face hugger cobra and like the the quadrupus or because they only have four <laughs> tentacles, right? Yep. Uh, the quadrupus are the same life stage. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah, it seems like um, they, they they seem like to have the same sort of thing going. I mean, the in the same way that like the chest bursters were apparently just a a very young form of the adult xenomorph, you know, versus necessarily a totally different life stage. Like the implications seem to be that grew into a xenomorph. So the same thing. Yeah, we've got like sort of the the snake, uh, and then the larval uh, quadrupus that she gets cut out of her, which yes. then grows into the giant. Uh, Those are the thing. face huggers, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the face hugger section of the life cycle. Yeah, which we then, which see. I guess would make sense because, like, I mean, in, in that way, I guess, I guess the alien eggs could be like the alien eggs from Alien could be that part of the life cycle that they somehow managed to contain, yeah, and like put into uh, stasis. Where, you know, like, whatever, like, either, you know, whatever that, whatever those eggs were either, so, like, I mean, because when they take it out of Shaw, it's in a, uh, like, an amniotic sack, right? Yeah, which could be a And she's human. Yeah. And so, you know, if they, like, had, like, some sort of, I don't know, like, a big lizardy thing that got infected with the black goop, that lizardy thing, instead of making an amniotic sack, well, it would still make an amniotic sack, but it would make it an egg. And then if they could put those eggs into stasis, then, you know, yeah. that could be the, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I guess that. Line. We could make yeah, an argument that, there, then, uh, that, that maybe, like, the alien queen that we see in Aliens <laughs> is, in fact one of the the engineers or whoever you know is responsible for all this genetic work uh managed to cobble together the alien queen as actually the initial form like it's not so much that she's the queen version of the xenomorphs it's that she is just the life form that they managed to uh engineer that had an ovipositor that laid these uh reliable uh stable and stabilizable eggs uh, and what they got out of that was a viable enough weapon in its own right. It's like okay, we've got the we've got the uh, xenomorph queen production line down. We'll we'll keep making these and we'll use them to produce uh, our leathery egg product line. Uh, right, and then like and and then I guess like if if this is all for terraforming, like if you don't know what to do with the planet, you send down the vases or like for I guess you know it's like oh we've got like a Q type planet, just you know get us the eggs. So, you know, you can skip that part of the life cycle because it, will, it won't be necessary because you know what you need to evolve to, you know, do whatever you need to do on that planet. Yeah. But, cons- yeah, I mean, that takes so much thought and discussion to figure out that I think it Yeah, it and falls, I don't actually it's, like it's, that. I just, I could see yeah. that as an argument if you wanted to dedicate it, yourself to yeah. what this It, it falls saying. beyond, like, a reasonable expectation for, like... Even a view, even a viewer that is well versed in the canon of Alien to like figure out on their own. Yeah, and 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 that's 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 where it's sort of frustrating. Is like if if an idea like that maybe was something that they really wanted to try and push, I could get behind that if the film pushed it, but it doesn't. It it it, it gives us all this stuff, and then it just sort of leaves it sitting there. Uh, and doesn't do a good job of justifying leaving it there. Like it's also not a thing where like they did a great job of setting up mysteries and then contextualizing them in a way where it's like satisfying to be 
left feeling, you know, in the dark about it. Like it's it's not a really sort of tasty. Oh, I love the ambiguity of this thing. It's just a. It doesn't feel like you sort of told all the story you were maybe trying to tell. You know, it's like it, it's not a yeah, well-told mystery about this stuff. It's just yeah. sort of thrown against the wall. It feels like. Yeah, I mean, like we've been like in like the era of like the planned multi-sequel, like we're going to shoot like four movies at the same time, sort of thing for years and years now. Like, probably was it Lord of the? It was like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter were like you know the first two. Like, we are absolutely going to make X movies, and we're just going to start shooting them. You know, we're just going to start shooting them straight and then releasing them as they as they're made. You you think Ridley Scott of all people would have like the 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 pull to be like, all right, no, it's going to be two movies, and because if like the stuff, if the um, number of ideas that they try to get across in this movie was split over two movies that had you know like somewhat different plots, I think it would have been much much more comprehensible than them being like, all right, we got to get you know. The you know the people who like aliens they need answers for all of these questions, and we're going to stick half-assed answers for all these questions in this movie, and then make more questions that make the answers that we gave them basically irrelevant. Yeah, I uh, so yeah no I, yeah. I, I I agree, and it's interesting, and maybe maybe it just wasn't viable at the time to uh, get that sort of guarantee in place, and so they just ended up making the one. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like Ridley Scott is like one of those people in Hollywood that, like, if he wants to make something, it'll get made. I would kind of think so, but it, it still probably gets tricky once you get into the no, let's do multiple, you know, hundred plus million dollar films because I feel like we should. It may be hard to sort of really get that tied down. Like, I feel like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are definitely examples of that more or less happening, but I think they are also. For all that stuff, they had strong source material. They had, yeah, they have strong, really established source material. Really contemporary. Uh, in the case of Harry Potter, too. Um, I mean, those those books had been like huge, huge sellers, and there wasn't a whole lot of question that people would go see uh, the first movie. And so, yeah, I feel like that's a, a, a case where they were able to plan that partly because it was already planned. I mean, you could say, well, there's these seven books. We'll take them to the screen. You know, and obviously you're going to do adaptation. But you've kind of got a roadmap already, and and Lord of the Rings, obviously, hugely known. You know, I think it may have been a little bit more of a risk trying to make it work because there hadn't necessarily been a super successful previous Lord of the Rings film project. But hugely, hugely known uh, canon, and again, you had like you know these three books. Uh, whereas with the Alien franchise, you have a very mixed bag. In recent years, you know the Alien films they've made were Alien versus Predator crossovers that were. Not super well received, you know. I, I don't feel like it's as in as strong a position necessarily, um, as much as I would like for it to be, you know, a strong position to be able to say, "Hey, you know, Alien franchise, I'm going to do it." Boom, done. Uh, I, I feel like it, it may have been trickier footing for for Ridley Scott and Co. than being able to just say, "Hey, you know, I'm fucking Ridley Scott, and this is Aliens." So, doing two pictures, this is how it's going to work. It might it might not have been totally uh, sellable. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know he was going to do two, too. I don't know. Uh, nah. I didn't know he was going to do two. So, <laughs> um, oh, I was just thinking about something else, too. But uh, the, there's there's some character stuff in this film that I don't uh, really know how useful it was. It, it feels at times like there's bits of character stuff that are there more to try and be a little bit like character stuff from other films than because it was super great. Uh, I felt like Vickers' character was 
underdeveloped in a way that made most of yeah. the country on screen pretty much unnecessary. You know, I, I was not I was not blown away by the revelation that she was Waylon's daughter. Like, you know, it's like, that's I mean, fine, it wasn't even like, that much of a revelation considering, like, in the first, like, act of the movie where he's just like, David is the closest thing I've had to a son. And it just, like, immediately cuts to her, like, rolling her eyes. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I, I wonder who she is. Yeah. And it's, but it's also, it doesn't seem super important. I mean, they sort of try and set up the, no. hey, old man, die already so I can take over thing, you know, really explicitly at one point with that late scene with the, you know, a king has a time and then it's over. That was actually a really good scene, though. Like the, what was it? Like a king has his reign and then he dies. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that just because, yeah, she would have been a great character if they developed her more. Yeah, as it is, it felt she, like, yeah, we had yeah. this little bit of family drama that then there wasn't enough like, of it to yeah. dig into. And she so had more Ripley in her than than I think uh, Shaw did. Yeah, like was- especially like the whole thing with uh, Hasselhoff. No, no, that's not the character. Holloway. <laughs> yeah, Hasselhoff. Yeah. Where he's just, where he, she's just like you're not getting on this fucking ship. Uh, and then you know she she has to she has to toast him even though yeah. she has no desire to. Yeah. Um. You know it's. Yeah, I would. I, there were a couple times where I felt like even with the specific clipped tones in her delivery felt like uh, mm-hmm. kind of a deliberate uh, Sigourney Weaver nod. Um, and I don't know how much of that was me just imagining that because I was thinking about that connection and how much it was actually something in work uh, Charlize Theron put into it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, it's kind of a shame. Like she, she was, she was there just enough for it to be conspicuous that we didn't really get a lot of interesting stuff out of the character. Um you know, another little touch that's sort of like a, a Ripley nod there with the character, too, is her interaction with the pilot, with uh, Idris Elba, uh, about the, you know, if you if if you want to sleep with me, you can just say so sort of thing. Um, in Alien 3, we have that scene that is there to a greater or lesser degree, depending on which uh, cut you watch, I think. But anyway, she has an interaction with one of the guys on the the prison planet. Uh, where she's basically, you know, I've been in space a, a long time, you know, and just like, hey, you know, I, it, let's fuck. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it, on the one hand, it, it, it kind of works to bring that back as a, okay, let's be practical about, you know, people being weird and being stuck in space and it's an odd, lonely thing and time. But on the other hand, it just, it kind of, it didn't like feel like it particularly worked either. Again, like just this character, there wasn't enough of this character really to know what to make of this stuff. Right. Yeah, um, like well, when that was happening, I was just like, "Is this like when he's just like, hey, if you wanted to, if you wanted to screw, you should have just said, hey, you want to screw it." I'm just like, "Is that supposed to be friendly?" Because <laughs> they didn't set up Idris Elba's character very well either. Yeah. So it's just like, what is going on? Like, are they like? I could not figure out if this was a creepy exchange. It was a friendly exchange. It was a friendly exchange that was starting to come off as a really creepy exchange. Um, but I did love the implication that re- that he asked if she wanted to screw before he asked if she was a robot, and that his question as to whether she was a robot did not... She never gave him an answer, yep. and it did not seem like that was going to influence his decision at all. Yeah. Which I well, thought was... We also never got an answer either. Technically speaking, mm-hmm. maybe... Maybe she was a robot. There's, there's, maybe, maybe there's David a was lot the of speculation... Thing. David could be the closest thing Waylon had to a son because he was the the sun shaped robot that that Waylon built. Yeah. Maybe. 
I mean, yeah. like, I remember when I when this movie just came out, there was like a whole like. The, whether or not Vickers was a robot was like a, a open question that it sort of became a question nobody really cared about anymore because it wasn't yeah. the movie would be no more this or less different who got unceremoniously crushed in a dumb way in the third act uh, yeah exactly yeah. you know and it, un, unless unless she's going to somehow have survived being crushed by a rolling spaceship uh, that then, she ran parallel to uh, as it falls and, and you know and I I, I had, remember reading somewhere that there's an explanation for that but I don't know where it is or where I read it. That they were on crack. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, that's it's, the best one I, I don't got. understand how you can write that. I don't understand how you can sit down, write out that page of the script, and be like, yeah, no, that's, that's what we're going to do. There's going to be a thing approaching, and they're going to run away from it on the line of its approach. Because, because I, I feel like that's a fresh idea. I feel like I, ca- I can't see a problem. I can't see what objection anyone would have. <laughs> To that scene, yeah, let's run with that. It's like you—you know, you can't come up with a better way to someone have someone not get away than just them being the dumbest fucking person on the planet. And there's so many dumb people on the planet or various planets, I guess, in movie history because of that. And it's—I—I I just don't understand. Like maybe some people just—I like are- to minimize risks. Says the woman running alongside, <laughs> try to run away from something very long. That was going in one direction, which was the direction she was running in. And I had se- I had seen like joking references to people mm-hmm. running in a direction, and I'd never I, I I had never known, but I'd always had a terrible sneaking suspicion, and was just kind of crushed, but also entertained uh, to have it verified that in fact the thing they would run in away from in this movie would be the space jockey craft. And I was like, I, it's happening. It's This is happening. This is actually what it is. This is why people were joking about it. They actually filmed this. And, ah, uh, jeez. Yeah, that was it, that's a low point to the, of the film. A very low According point. to the internet, it looks like there was... It looks like they did make a turn and it didn't help. Or they did run off to the left and it didn't help. But okay, I, so I, I, Shaw, Shaw runs off. She, she, she drops and rolls and runs off to the side. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and then she seems like she's going to be killed anyway because it falls to the side, which, and then she didn't die, and that all felt sort of unnecessary too. That that sequence, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I feel like they should have come up with something else because giant ship as looming threat, I can totally get on board with. It's just, it's not a fucking hula hoop, you know? I have a hard time believing that it touched down and then didn't just crumple because presumably the thing was not built to be a load-bearing horseshoe. Like it's a spaceship, not a you know. It's yeah. Ah, that scene, that scene, man. We're going underwater and encountering over five hundred atmospheres of pressure. How much can the ship take? Well, it's a spaceship, so anywhere between zero and one. <laughs> uh, a thing I liked about the film, I should. I, 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 there were lots of things. One thing I liked is I liked seeing random Geiger stuff thrown around, and and the, yeah. the shape of the big mound, the, the the big thing that was, I guess, sort of like the hangar and and what yeah, yeah. above it uh, is taken from a a, a Geiger painting, Geiger uh, painting called Dune Two that I think was part of concept art from when he was working was, on that. It was the version concept of Dune that never art. got made. Yeah, it was concept art for like the Harkonnen, um, like the like House Harkonnen, like their like House House, and that was supposed to be mobile. Uh, that, that's that that's what the art was yeah. for that. And then 
Um, yeah, and like you actually, I, I think yeah, like when the sandstorm starts, you actually start seeing like that the that that thing, uh, like the triangly thing on the top, is in fact like a skull. Yeah, and, it, and it's also echoed in the shape of the deacon. Yeah, it's it's got the same head. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, really, it was pretty cool. I, I really like that that they just sort of they they put it in there just as a thing, you know. And it was not a super clear image of it, but I, like it, the, as soon yeah. as I saw that mount, I was like, "Holy shit! It's that! It's that! It's it's that Giger painting for no particular reason. Just it's there." Also, this was like Dune Entertainment was the production company for. Yeah. Uh, I, I I meant to look up and try and figure out if that had actually tied into anything other than just like we need a name for a production company for this. Uh, Although uh, the um, so the, the mound thing that they were going to that was supposed to be a pyramid, and when I found out about that, I got so mad because I wanted to see a pyramid. Damn it! Just on. Principle. I wanted. To, I, I didn't want it to be a mound, even if it was like a very clear Geigerian reference mound. I wanted a pyramid. Why? why just because of the Alien versus Predators like, films, or just no? I like. like I, I, lo- I like spooky pyramids. I feel like. I feel like. I enjoy the trope of the spooky pyramid. I feel like AVP those films, uh, or the first one at least, yeah. sort of spoiled that a little bit to the point where I think There's, it would actually um, been actively distracting. In a oh wait, are so is there a connection? Yeah. There's um oh there's a there's a movie coming out with a haunted pyramid in it too that I'm yeah. super excited about. I don't remember what it's called though. Hopefully the name will be obvious in the coming future. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I I liked uh, I I liked in general the art direction of 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 the ship of the Prometheus on the inside. I, I liked the fact that it was very <laughs> trying to be very sort of contemporary to Alien. Um, but like not a Nostromo. piece of shit. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the outside of the thing looks so much better than the the, the Nostromo, but uh, obviously very different ships too. Uh, I liked I, I liked the uh, somewhat more brutal waking up from stasis thing, like the fact yeah. that apparently stasis they were still ironing out the kinks more, and it seemed like Shaw was implied to be having a specifically uh, crappy uh, coming out of it, but still like yeah yeah no it's totally normal. Everybody's dripping wet, and the fact that you're reflexively puking uncontrollably—that just happens. It's, you know, you, you, you get used to it. Uh, and I guess there's a question: Did the stasis stuff get better significantly, or did people just get more trained to do it? Like, is the I, reason I that- think the crew of the Nostromo is a lot more used to it, and also a lot like tougher. Yeah, because I, I suspect that this was like the first time that. Uh, Shaw and Holloway were um, off Earth. Yeah. Because it didn't seem like they did, you know, they they didn't do... Nothing happened with them that didn't take place on Earth, and it seemed like they were both very Earth-centered explorers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, hey, timely Ebola reference. <laughs> now. Yeah, that was, that was perfect. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think Shaw took it particularly hard because it was probably like, if not the first time, she's definitely not as used to it as like, you know, Ripley at Alwar. Yeah. So maybe a mix of the two things. The, the drippingness thing seemed to be very common among all of them. So that seemed like a different, yeah. different tech, maybe something, yeah. may, maybe they were, maybe they were stasisized in a, a full tube of, uh, goop. goop. Yeah. Maybe even sort of like a, a breathing liquid oxygen sort of thing to stabilize. Uh, go go for the abyss there. Make it a Cameron callback. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, remember when I had mentioned that like the stasis pods in Alien look like Cinderella's coffin? Oh, not Cinderella, uh, Snow White's coffin. Yeah. 
from the Disney movies. I would have given anything to see, like, David lift the lid off of the thing that the engineer is in and just kiss him. <laughs> that would have been so amazing. That would have been kind of great. Uh, there was, uh, you know, talking about callbacks to the other films, too, David with the basketball was unavoidably an alien resurrection callback in my mind. Like he's, oh, I still haven't seen it. Oh, oh, geez, you got to see it. You got to see it. We're not going to review it because it. it's no, but no. Uh, it, it, it's it's more off off mission than this film was as far as it goes. Uh, but you should watch it. You should watch it, and we'll just have a non recorded discussion about it sometime, like we're friends or something. Uh, and and and, and yeah, because there's there's things to talk about about that film, but uh, it's really not a horror movie. Um, but there's some basketball in it. And it's not even a very good scene, but it's it, it's very much a scene in that movie where like there's some basketball, and so David pounding a, a basketball around and, and shooting hoops on a bike uh, felt like very much a, a reference to that. Like that could not have been accidental unless the screenwriters are insane or hermits. Uh, but also, it kind of felt like the birth of the the Deacon alien thing at the end reminded me a little bit as well of a scene near the end of uh, Alien Resurrection where we get a weird sort of hybrid alien uh, that also feels that it's not quite right and looks weird and it you know seems sort of floppy the way uh, the Deacon seemed floppy so uh, both of those both of those really felt like weird sort of Alien Resurrection ties uh, in a film that I wasn't really expecting. People don't seem to say you know Alien Resurrection that's something we should reference in our film uh, so I yeah. thought it was kind of interesting that there did feel like. I mean, generally you want to make references to things people have seen. Oh, because not a lot of people have seen Alien <laughs> Resurrection. Uh, the future piano in Charlie's Thrones in in, in Vickers' uh, quarters. Uh, that is the. Hang on. Wait. Yeah. No. Go on. I'm sorry. There, there, there was a. I disagree with the decision to have a futuristic looking grand piano because. Why would it be grand? Well, it's just why would it why why would it be all like 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 they it was recognizably a grand piano, but it was also recognizably aggressively restyled to be like it looked like a concept car version of a grand piano. And the thing is, I can believe that someone would build that, but I'm not sure I believe that that would actually be what anybody who was going to spend the money to ship a grand piano across the universe would choose in grand piano because a grand piano is totally it's a classical instrument in a very you know culturally fixed sense like grand pianos still basically look like they did a long time ago because it's something you keep static because it is that thing and so the idea of like aggressively styling the hell out of it to look like a a, a toyota concept car for the 2020s you know it's just like i don't i don't see why you would do that it felt like an odd choice it felt like future futuristic for futuristic sake I feel like if this was like had been made around the same time aliens would have been, it would have just had like fins on it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like they could have said more by keeping like just a just throw a straight up Bosendorfer in there uh, instead of like doing the future thing. But you know, maybe maybe there's some interesting stuff to say about what it implies about the state of human culture in the late 21st century that that things had gone in that direction with the styling of classical instruments. But uh, again, this is not something the film gets into. So it just, it jumped out to me as like a little, here's over, a piano. It's a little over-designed. Yeah. The piano from the future. It's like, oh, we know it's yeah. the future. We're already, we're on a spaceship. Yeah. And that was the same scene that had a, uh, you know, Chekhov's med pod. 
She's like, hey, you have a med pod? The audience should pay attention to this couple of seconds while I examine it here. Yeah. That was, I think that, that, that was a little too obvious. Well, and, and that's another interesting question there. If you want to throw that into the fodder for... Uh, uh, well, okay, so here, here, here's a couple different ways to go with it. The med pod, A, the med pod is configured only for men because uh, it's actually for Wayland. And yeah, so, I think that's, that's yeah. yeah. But also it could be it's only configured for men because she's never used it because she's a robot. And so she never found out that it had only been configured for men. Or she might be a man biologically. Oh, could be. Hmm? Could be. Uh, no, yeah, but it was it was. Why would you? Why not? Why not just even have like two of them on there? You yeah. had the room for a piano. Why don't you like if a med pod is something that has to be like con- hard configured for a gender because of reasons I can't even. Well, not a gender, rather a, a biological sex for reasons that I. I do not understand. There, at there all. wasn't there wasn't enough room on the hard drive for the extra data for the the woman procedures. I guess. Yeah. So why not just have a second fucking med pod and bring a non grand piano, bring a standing piano, or whatever the hell those yep. things are called, and just use that room for a second med pod. Yep. It, it, they're just like we spent one trillion dollars on this. It's just like how much how much of that trillion could that thing have possibly cost? Yeah. Like even if it was a bi- even if one of those things was literally a billion dollars. That's still like a one it's point one percent. Am I getting the math on that right? Yes. So it would have been point two percent of the budget instead of point one percent of the budget had the thing cost a billion dollars. It was no reason for it to be like, sorry, this is configured for a male. Unless it was just like, sorry, this is configured for a male and like she didn't, you know, listen to the rest of the instructions, but was just like, please go to the settings menu to reconfigure to female. And she was like, nope, foreign object, uh what and what if what what if a man wanted to get a cesarean? Would it just not do it? Would would he have to do the same thing? Well, I mean, it's everything to, about that. Scene to be fair, I, I'm not sure why didn't you account for the possibility that a man wanted a cesarean? Maybe pushing it if we're going with the idea that it's <laughs> typing biological sex by whether or not you have, among other things, productive uh, womb. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it felt like, you know, it, it kind of kept making me think of Logan's run actually, uh, which have you ever seen Logan's run? Have we talked I have about not this? seen Logan's oh, run. I've, oh. I've seen numerous references to Logan's run in like lots of media pieces, but I've never actually yeah. seen Logan's Oh, you should run. totally see it. It's, it's, it's Sarah Fawcett in that. Yeah. She's, she's got a bit part in the very scene I'm thinking of. In fact, there's a scene with a sort of laser cosmetic surgery, like auto booth where you can just sort of like dial in the, the new face and body you want and you lay down on the bed and lasers go to work and they'll turn you into a new person. Um, and, and then things get complicated, but the whole sort of like, you know, lay down on the bed and let the machine do the work thing, you know, really reminded me of that, even though it's not necessarily something that the scene is in any way really evocative of it. Just for some reason, I just latched onto that. I think partly because it was kind of a, a dumb seeming scene. <laughs> so my brain was like, yeah, but, but let's think about some other stuff too. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I like the idea of sort of like the space surgery robot thing, but it, it felt it, like a lot of things in the film. It felt like it was just kind of there. Like 
obviously we've got the huge callback to alien and aliens with the idea of impregnation and chest bursting and trying to root around that. And the fact that she successfully does root around it is a remarkable change of pace from like every other instance we see in the other aliens films. Um, but we don't get a whole lot of detail about that. The whole thing feels kind of rushed. It feels like sort of like here's an actiony thrillery thing, crazy med robot. But none of it, none of it felt like super weighty. None of, none of it felt like oh, that was a great scene to have for reasons. You know, it just it was just like another thing that happened. Um, right. I feel like they should have just like cut four or five characters out of the film. Is sort of how I'm feeling about it as I reflect on it more. Like, was there like a safety officer on the ship that died? I feel like there was a there was a remember the, the character that was introduced with like the flamethrower, and they were just like, so why do we need that? And he's just like, well, I'm here to keep you safe. I have no idea who that was or what happened to them. Yeah, yeah, I think he's just one of several people because I think they had some extra people on the ship, and these aren't even the ones I'm thinking of. They had some extra yeah, people on the ship who basically just yeah. They, they said there was like 17 people on the ship, and there was definitely like only four or five main characters. Yeah, and I, I want to say like several people on the ship just sort of got killed by Fifield. Uh, uh, and that's fine because, like, whatever. Okay, if you, they're just like generic people who uh, get wiped out. But the number of people we actually were introduced to in terms of having dialogue and whatnot was still like, you know, there was several of them. Idris Elba, we didn't really get much from Charlize Theron. We really didn't get much from, you know, it's like a bunch of this sort of stuff that was like enough to recognize that that is a named character in the film who has dialogue, but not enough to really get anywhere with their character that I feel like if they'd cut a few of those and found a made, way to make it work it could have been because yeah. it's yeah, like the, the like uh, Yannick Idris Elba's character's like sacrifice with his like you know valiant like pilot and navigator or whatever it's just like yes we have to do the right thing well we're with you chief I'm like I have no idea who any of you people yeah, are it's, it's, I don't like I know I, I understand what emotion I'm supposed to be having right now but I'm not having it because you have had like collectively 12 lines of dialogue yeah it would have worked better if it had in fact just been Idris by himself taking the ship in you know and with almost no dialogue whatsoever there I think that would have been a much more effective scene just because it would have been like here is someone independently making a really hard suicidal decision because he understands the right thing to do and just making it happen and yeah I feel like that could have been more effective and felt less like a oh wait but now we need the noble sacrifice scene let's do the noble sacrifice scene and the noble loyalty in sacrifice scene you know yeah now we can check that off the list it felt yeah a bit clip. Also, this uh, yeah, this movie actually had like one of my like favorite slash most hated. Um, <laughs> you know, just in the way that I find it entertainingly annoying every time it comes up in like a near future sci fi movie, which is like you know the character who's obsessed with like about. 30, 20 to thirty years of the second half of the twentieth century. You know, like roughly around the time of the people that are watching the movie, right? You know, because he had like Stephen Stills' uh, concertina. <laughs> so it, 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 there was um, they they actually they 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 made fun of it on Futurama, where um, like Zap Brannigan and, and Kiff, they're like taking off somewhere in Zap's ship, and he's just like, "Put on something from the '80s, Kiff," and Kiff's like, "Which '80s, sir?" <laughs> he's like, "The only '80s," and then hungry like the wolf starts playing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just like that, that like little, it's like callback to just like, hey, your culture is the best one person watching this movie. Um, yep. that, that, 
Yeah, whenever that comes up in like near future movies, it's well, always, and the same thing was like like, like yeah. popular culture apparently basically stopped in 1987 in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like there's always like it, it's always yeah. historical reference, contemporary reference, made up future reference that nobody cares about. You know, so if you're talking yeah. about philosophers, you might you know talk about Sun Tzu and 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 Kierkegaard, and then uh, you know Flarbenarvin from the 22nd century. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, it's a weird science fiction stories being trapped by the pop culture era in which they're written is is a really odd thing that I'd like to see a, a, a thorough roundup of sometime. Uh, I kind of liked and kind of disliked the steely chrome pool balls because uh, uh, it's how do you tell the difference between the balls? Yeah, that's a real issue. And maybe maybe <laughs> when you're actually playing for real, there's some sort of like uh, glowing or holographic projection or something involved. Maybe it's maybe it's a uh, a game like snooker where uh, I, I think in snooker it doesn't really matter what most of the balls are they're just you're playing for like yeah. points on on dropping stuff mm-hmm. uh, also yeah. there's a reason that pool slash you know billiard balls are non-reflective matte surfaces yeah what with the light directly above them glaring off the pool ball and into your face and you get chalk all over them and yeah so on the other hand they look kind of cool so uh, I, I think that's definitely one of those like, you know, even maybe in movie it makes sense because it's just somebody like Whalen's just like tells somebody to pick shit for like entertainment for there and somebody just goes through like the sharper image catalog <laughs> solid steel pool balls, alright they'll love this. Space mall uh, yeah. <laughs> The thing with uh, I mean, yes, I, I think if there was anywhere that you could get like a futuristically styled piano, it would be whatever Sky Mall turns into by then. Yep. I I was I was on the flight. I don't know if you took an airplane to wherever you were going, but no, we I just drove. we went. To, okay, yeah, we just, so I we were we took an airplane, which means I got to do my favorite thing, which was read Sky Mall, and last page was like a. I believe it was an $85,000 two-person submersible, uh, yeah, like a submersible <laughs> slash, you know, like uh, above water, yeah, like jet ski submarine thing that can also, like, it's shaped like a fish and it can, like, hover on its tail. And it was $85,000, um, which is just, I, I wonder, like, Somebody's got to be so fucking rich that, like, a, the $10,000 thing in Sky Mall is, like, the convenience of the Sky Mall is worth it. Be like, yeah, what yeah, what the hell? I'll, I'll take, like, one of these Wave Rider things. <laughs> $85,000. Shit, I make that in, like, two minutes. Whatever. And then, you know, like, is is this their customer base? I have never... Have you ever known anybody ever bought anything out of a Sky Mall? I, I, I can't say that I do offhand. I don't either. I, I feel like nobody does. But, I wonder. Uh, yeah. Um, the I, I wanted to say, and this is sort of just of a piece with sort of rushed characterization, but I feel like the whole thing with Shaw conceiving after having the discussion about being barren as the foolish thing that Holloway insensitively says when she's talking about the idea of creating life, uh, <laughs> that felt kind of checklist to me. That, that that felt like, you know, if if they had somehow eased into the idea of her being... Uh, sad about not being able to bear children uh, and somehow just made that like a natural character development note or a character background note in the film and then brought that back around to the idea that you're pregnant. How can I be pregnant? 
But as it is, it really felt like they just had that conversation so that she could be confused when she was pregnant in a very sort of like, oh, yeah, no, because that that line came before this one. So now when David says she's pregnant, she can be confused in a no, that's impossible way. And it felt like it, it felt like it was just supposed to be more than it actually ended up feeling like on screen. It felt kind of cookie cutter to me. Yeah. Um Partly yeah, possibly because that came up. I had already been thinking to myself about the recurring theme of pregnancy and, and right. uh, you know traumatic pregnancy and body horror and whatnot. That's such a thing with the the film with the face huggers and the chest bursts and all that. But uh, yeah. so yeah, it felt I don't know, it just felt plop. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely it was just especially because like in the in the alien film, especially where it was just like the whole point was that it was happening to a dude. Like that was like so much of the point of the, the reproductive cycle of the thing and that yeah yeah um oh uh so as i was listening to the commentary they were talking about um that like you know the, the that you know in like the alien movies usually like the impetus between whatever is is profit because you know you've always got the company behind yeah. everything and yeah. like you know they will do whatever they'll they'll kill their whole crew for profit and like in this movie that's sort of uh, played with because the and the end goal is not profit it is in fact like you know the Whalen is willing to spend any amount of money including you know all of it if necessary to to extend his life and they. Um, you know, and just like they mentioned in the commentary, and just like I wrote in my notes, I want more life, fucker. And then the guy was just like, yeah, so like my idea for this plot element stemmed from the fact that, you know, when I was a kid, I went to go see, a- like I saw Alien and Blade Runner within like the same couple of weeks, and I thought the movies were, se- when like one of the movies was a sequel to the other. And I was just like, oh, how about that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, hmm. I wish they had made more of that or more, you know, just like the, the character of Whalen, especially after they get him into like the, like the robot suit was so like, I mean, it was like a striking character, like this frail old man who is completely ruthless and like is also in like this janky machine that makes it difficult for him to walk and also has like all these weird, like childlike feelings about everything that's going on. Like he would have been a great character to follow around for like somewhat longer than they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, and like the like, thing where yeah, uh, too where many characters Vickers, are not time with any of them. Yeah, exactly. And where like Vickers goes to like kiss his hand and he balls it up into a fist. I'm like, you, you could have like he's like super dramatic. He yeah. is, you know, like he and he knows he is, and he's just like, yeah. It's like I want to give these people a briefing. VR room. How about that? You know, just holographic <laughs> projections of me and like my little dog that's rolling over. And I wonder, do you think the dog was like directed to like roll over onto its back? Or they're just like, ah, keep it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 one thing I liked speaking of, of, of Wayland and, and the scene where they go and they wake up, uh, the engineer, the, the space jockey, uh, they go and wake him up from stasis, and he gets up. And and for one thing, I, I liked it a little bit. It almost seemed like there was a suggestion of like maybe he was going to heave as sort of a parallel to Shaw puking her guts out uh, earlier in the film. Uh, right. But anyway, so so the, the the jockey wakes up, and everybody's you know shouting at David to say this, say that, <laughs> say this, say that. Uh, which par- partly I just like that. I also like David's patience, and I liked the fact that we have no idea what David said. Nope, uh, and that's that. That I mean, I've, I've thought about looking up and seeing if, for whatever reason, the script decided to include the actual intent or something. 
but basically, I'm glad that we don't know because liking the David character enough and and having enough investment in his weird mix of compliance and sort of contempt, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. uh, makes the question of what he said just so wide open. Like it, it literally could have been like you know he told the guy whatever Wayland had wanted him to tell him or something else, or he just said to the guy, "Hello, I am the superior you know being from Earth." You know, and, and whatever it is, obviously, obviously the 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 jockey wasn't into any of whatever it is. Maybe he got his head torn off first because he you know deigned to speak, or maybe he didn't get the dialect quite right, and uh, and he insulted the the guy. Yeah, it could have been one of those uh, Pepsi Cola brings your ancestors back from the dead thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I like I like that ambiguity. I, I liked that like we have no idea exactly what happened there. I, I wonder if it maybe there was like because you, you think preserving Wayland's life would be like the very first like thing in David's programming if David is Wayland's personal robot and you think it would be, I mean I don't know maybe you think it would, all of them would have that programmed into them just like you know preserve Peter Wayland don't kill Peter Wayland make sure Peter Wayland doesn't die like to the exception of everything because Wayland is so obsessed with preserving himself yeah um, but then I wonder, like, if there was anything to override that, that, like, you know, just, like, meeting the engineer could have overridden that just because the engineer is clearly, like, the, you know, the progenitor of human life that, yeah. you know, maybe, like... If it was coded not so much protect Wayland as protect your creator, yeah. and he was able to say, oh, well, this is the creator of my creator, ergo... Uh, yeah, it could just be one of those, like, yeah, another one of those, like, you know, uh, monkey's paw things... Where, um, you know, whatever whatever it was that happened was, you know, not meant to happen as far as Whalen was a, thought it would. But, yeah, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Let's see. I've run through most of my stuff. I did like the, the space jockey versus uh, the quadrupus uh, was sort of like the live action hentai love scene of the century. <laughs> that yeah. thing was like, you know, looking deep into each other's respective various numbers of eyes and then big tongue make out yeah uh, i wish do you think they tried to make this the 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 engineer like the big movie monster movie villain in this one and fucked it up i don't know i i i setting aside all my complaining about the sort of humanizing of the uh erstwhile much more alien seeming space jockey race uh by turning into these goopy engineer uh latex flesh-looking dudes. Uh, I'm really kind of disappointed that all we got from them once they were awake was being super violent and trying to kill people. Like, I like... Yeah, you- I like I, I like the huge threat of violence. I like the idea that mm-hmm. they would be totally alien and not interested in human motivations or whatever, but it just goes, like, from zero to Murdertron, like, immediately, and we never get anything else out of him. We don't get to see anything interesting about this character, and maybe that was supposed to be a thematic thing. It's like, oh, you've come all this way, and you've tracked him down. It turns out that they're just going to try and kill you because they don't care about you, but they could have at least tried to kill them in an interesting way or displayed some degree of, I don't know, just, like, Tear, tear a guy's head off and then try and kill everybody is a really fucking boring thing for a great mysterious progenitor race to do. Yeah, so. I had no idea why, like, why he was doing that, and 
I feel like even if we were not supposed to be clear as to why he was doing that, like a hint would have been nice or, yeah. or, or, or something like just because, I mean, it looked like he just started flipping out and killing people, which like, you know, I mean, maybe it's like one of those like sort of Greek god like people are getting far, far more than they thought they would get things. But even then, at least it was just like creative sort of. And in this case, we're just like, why? Why is yeah. he killing people? Yeah. Like there's no... Like, it's okay for him to kill people. Like, even, like, beyond the threat. It, it would have been totally fine if there was, like, a reason to have killed people. Like, if, you know, it turns out that David had said, hey, go fuck yourself or yeah. or something. But there was no there was no reason for David to have insulted him. Nobody – yeah, it just – Yeah, there, like, was, there was no even reason if it given. And there was – them, yeah. that and, would have made yeah, more sense. Yeah, that would have been so much more effective, I think. Like, you know – ignored them and maybe tried to just sort of casually, you know, get rid of them in a decontamination sense rather than this violent interaction. Uh, yeah, no, it, 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 it bugs me not just because we don't know why he did it, but because they didn't make the fact that we don't know why he did it interesting. Like the, the right. film didn't set up an interesting puzzle there. This film didn't give us something to chew on about the fact that it turns out what he's going to do is tear David's head off and try and murder everybody. You know, right. and so that's uh, and I like the fact that they tore David's head off because it made for a nice sort of uh, structure to the later thing with David's interactions mm-hmm. with Shaw over uh, the radio and whatnot. You know, I, I liked that. I, you know, I, I can totally understand the motivation for that, and it's possible that the idea is that once you rip the android's head off, everybody's going to freak out at you, and it's going to turn into a fight anyway. But I don't know. I I would have liked to have seen something more nuanced. There. I would have liked to have seen an encounter of greater sort of gravity and interactional uncertainty rather than just going to hell and turning into a, a, a murder fest. Yeah. Would have been nice. I did like that David says, I know we've had our differences to, <laughs> to Shaw, you know, total, total 2001 riff with Hal. And, and that was, that was great. Uh, yeah. I, I have mis- mixed feelings about the whole, mirror opening and and closing things with the uh the the shot of the prometheus and the you know vessel prometheus crew 17 blah 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 thing uh and then the final report of the prometheus this is elizabeth shaw last survivor of you know, it's like it's it's it, it was just kind of on the nose and maybe if Does i said even, more what, what was she on that she was sending that out uh, she, she, yeah, I guess she was on, uh, you know, she was using David as a personal recorder on the Shrugganaut. I just see her, like, holding David's head up with, like, her head in him like a puppet, just talking into it like Dale Cooper into his uh, yes. recorder. <laughs> David, they have the most amazing uh, Hibernian space mm-hmm. coffee on this Shrugganaut. I'm right here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I. That's I think you know, and the, the the whole pilot chair thing, and I don't know. I ultimately watching I feel David like, sit in the like the chair that is far too big for him was adorable. Though, that was that was when fun. he just like just yeah. walks into the the whole orrery scene, which is apparently what that thing is called. Uh, it was the orrery, o r r e r y orrery. Or were oh, wait, it, was, a, it was a mechanical model of the solar system that illustrates yeah, it was based the relative on, positions and motions of planets and moons. Yes, it was. There was a famous painting called the Orrery, 
and that's what like that scene was sort of based on um and like that whole scene is fucking amazing looking they tried to do a similar thing in um john carter remember john carter no yeah yeah, yeah that's it. uh and it looked terrible and in this one it looked great like that was like the one scene when i saw it in the theater i was like fuck i should have spent the extra like four bucks for 3d because yeah. that would have been amazing yeah and i think i would probably I, i'd be curious to see this in 3d because i i think the sense of space at times in the film is really great and it, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to have that sort of that impact so maybe if that's something yeah I can and see there's a couple of scenes when that it, it, it's it's very much like I mean it's it's not as obvious like in the 3D movies like nobody's like extending a long object toward the camera in a way that nobody <laughs> would ever shoot a long object if this wasn't a 3D movie like nobody does that there's a couple of scenes like in the beginning when um, Prometheus is just like uh, is just like sort of there's like a above like it's almost like a video game like Galaga sort of shot of like above the Prometheus with the ground scrolling under it and like the Prometheus is basically still in the frame and I think that would look pretty amazing but yeah, yeah the Ori looked so good and it was it was also what I liked is that it was also clearly using like a information communicating thing that we understand because that it started like cycling through the different solar systems in exactly the way that like a select screen would which yeah. I, I liked yeah and then Oh, please continue. Oh, I was going to say, and then the the interface for it was just, it was like hologram things that detect your hand that come out of squishy buttons. <laughs> Why did the buttons have to be squishy? That's just, that's the aesthetic they like. Maybe they've got, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say because they've got, the, got those weird alien hands, but of course yeah. that was just fucking gloves because, uh, yeah. apparently this is yeah, really, it's really not sitting yeah. well with me. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm angry about it. Yeah. One one of the things though, it's like if this is like a humanoid race, when did like the Geigerian aesthetic become the thing that you use to build a spaceship? Well, yeah, like maybe a yeah, like a temple. All right, fancy building, okay, but with a spaceship, wouldn't you want it to be more functional than than it looked? like they had built it? I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like reasonable enough. I'm willing to run with it just because I like the idea of actually going with like a genuinely sort of alien design for, you know, interiors and architecture yeah. and whatnot. Like, I'm just going to support it on principle because I want more. Maybe it's the equivalent of like weird in ships the, yeah, maybe it's like the equivalent of like the Dune film when like the inside of spaceships in that is basically like a actual boat crossed with like Art Deco. Yeah, where it's just like, all right, how about this like grim ass thing? Yeah, that'll yep, that'll look pretty good. Uh, basically, it really visually really nice film. Like, I, I feel like we have, in fact, as sort of predicted, just sort of spent two hours mostly complaining about it. Uh, and it does have story issues, and it's got dialogue issues, and and th- th- a lot of stuff that's reasonable to criticize there, and especially easy to even over criticize maybe as a longtime Aliens fan. But visually, it was a really nice fucking looking movie. Like yeah. it, everything, I can't think of a scene that I was particularly like, you know what, that doesn't look right. My biggest complaint, actually, the biggest complaint I can think of off the top of my head as far as the visuals was just the. The the face hugger analog scenes. Whenever a, a snake or something went into something's mm-hmm. mouth, uh, that just ended up feeling sort of stilted and not organic enough for me. It felt it felt a little bit like this is, you know, this is a composited effects shot of some sort. Yeah. Um, and and that's minor. You know, it's like it's just like it, to to an extent. If if these things are basically killing what they're jumping into at the moment that they're doing that, 
you know, or otherwise immobilizing them than sort of freezing up okay. But it felt a little bit like there should almost be like a sound uh, <laughs> in a couple of those. But that's like that's like that's my huge visual complaint about the movie. Like it really did look super nice. Like the the you know, lit well, design is great, the the visual effects were done super well none of the cgi of the, didn't look like cgi yeah the cgi just fit i mean there's stuff that you know yeah. is unquestionably cgi but it all looked really really pretty great you know so I, I i really appreciate the amount of visual love that went into the film and as something as far as that goes setting that against uh sort of alien and blade runner as you know ridley scott coming back to some of that aesthetic years later um, that I think is totally worthy. I mean, it's really interesting to sort of look at this in some ways as what would Alien have looked like if he had had contemporary effects technology to work with. Um, I mean, obviously, not totally because like somewhat different films in terms of what their sto- the storytelling is like, but you can see the same sort of doting attention to like computer interface design uh, in Alien and in this at totally different eras of capability of cgi for generating those things yeah um they both they both fit their films they both there was even there was actually a a brief shot of the remember the uh on like on the nostromo that they had like the guidance like screen where like the squares like leading you to the surface yeah yeah, they had that um on one of the ships there and uh, on one of the screens there and actually they they mentioned like in the commentary they were just like you know uh like uh, we we like we had like we were wondering, like, that, the, you know, some people would be like, you know, how is, like, the Nostromo, which is, like, you know, years after this, you know, such a piece of crap, and this thing is, like, all new and high-tech, and it's just like, well, this is, like, a government, like, scientific, not a government, but, like, a private billionaire's, like, sci- uh, scientific exploration ship designed, like, you know, specifically to do this mission with, like, all the money in the world, and Nostrum is a fucking truck. Yeah. It's a, tr- it's a, it's a truck. <laughs> like, you know, you're not, you're, you're not going to see the same things on, you know, like a, 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 you know, a submarine or, you know, a fighter jet that you are in, like, a truck that's got a tape player in it. Exactly. So it seems kind you of, know, as much as anything, yeah. there's maybe too much visual consonance between the Nostromo and the, uh, Prometheus in some of the yeah. uh, interior stuff that's not the fancy quarters, but you know whatever you're establishing an aesthetic. Uh, well, I, I'm going to make one more effort to tie this to, to Kubrick a little bit too, because I, I really like the idea of trying to view these through the idea of Ridley Scott having grown up having seen 2001. But uh, the the opening of the film, uh, it's all these flybys of you know geography essentially. Uh, yeah. or, or, or geology, you know, it's like these terrain flyovers. And I feel like you could make an argument here that the collection of sort of terrain flybys in a film that takes as its thesis, the idea of creation of life on earth by some imposing alien, uh, presence or, or the upraising of humanity in any case, either way, uh, the terrain flybys in the trippy late third act, Thing in 2001, uh, uh. after the creation of the universe sequence, and you know later on you get all these weird flybys of, of craggy surfaces. I'm going to call this a nod to that and say that's again. And then later on, when we see Wayland in the flesh, and he's alive and he's sitting in his wheelchair as an old man, as uh, clearly actor made up as an old man, very late David Bowman uh, later on there in the oh, film too, yeah. you know? Yeah, so I yeah, feel like yeah. those two points in particular felt like, you know, things that could be new references aside from some of the visual uh, consonants of some of the design elements of the, the ships. Uh, to yeah, I can definitely see that. So yeah. There you go. 
that's that's my yeah. that's my Kubrick Kubrick stretch for the episode. I think the the only thing I had left was that I enjoyed uh, the conversation between Holloway and David, where they were all like putting on their suits, and Holloway's just like, "Why do you need you know you don't breathe air? Why do you need a thing?" It's like, "Well, they built me this way to not freak you people out, so that's why I'm doing it. It's because you're a wuss. Yep. <laughs> you couldn't handle seeing me not without this thing without freaking out a bit." Yep. Such I, I just nice. David's like just the just like the, the sort of like the unassailable like confidence of a machine. <laughs> it's just like I know what I'm built to do. I know I can do it much better than you can, and I'm not even going to hide it a little bit. Yeah. And you know I know what parts of me are meant to compensate for the fact that you I am better than you, and you don't like that. Just yeah, I I, I think it would. The fact that there is eventually a robot insurrection in this universe in no way surprises me, considering you know <laughs> what it's like. What we did there, it's just like, all right, let's you know, let's give them no weaknesses. Does that sound good to everybody? No, no emotional issues. No, no weaknesses. Complete confidence. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Just yeah, just the fact that they the robot is built to compensate for people's like yeah. l- lack of comparative ability without compensating for the fact that you know people like the people also react to something knowing that it's better than yeah. them <laughs> yeah and it's hard to yeah yes just like, or maybe you know, maybe it's just you know, David is like Whalen's personal one. Is just like I'm not, I'm not going to give this one any self consciousness or any like humbleness whatsoever. Let's let's replace that with the uh, button pushing protocols. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was Prometheus. Yeah. I'm glad I finally saw it. I, I, I'm yeah. glad to have seen it. Uh, uh, I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point as I revisit Alien stuff periodically. Uh, maybe maybe my yeah, it, feelings it, about the space jockey thing will will. It's it's one of those movies that holds up on rewatch just because there's no there's like you, you know like if there's there's a movie that's got like a big plot reveal that isn't at the end, but like you know like maybe halfway through the movie there's a huge plot reveal that changes everything and like it's annoying to watch the first part leading up to that reveal just because you, <laughs> you know what's going to happen and like Cabin in the Woods was really good about that because it gives away that reveal like literally like five minutes into the first act and you know you don't have to be like you know like you, you can't fake suspense like within yourself so it always annoys me to watch a movie that's got a, like a big revelatory twist halfway through through it that like because just watching people like be wrong for half of a movie is annoying yeah and in this movie just doesn't have that there's no like big twists it's just you know discovery after discovery after discovery and you know like the the discovery themselves they're like you know pretty fun to watch so it's there's you know it's it's a good movie to rewatch and you know and there's definitely like like little things like it was just so lovingly designed that there's all sorts of like little things to find in it although you know the dialogue is just not <laughs> not fun. It is not fun dialogue. It's very uh, perfunctory dialogue. Maybe I'll watch it in Portuguese. You know, next time I watch it. Uh, what, do you? Did you? What did, what did you do? Did you rent it from your video store? I, I, I ended up just pulling it down from uh, Amazon. Uh, okay, so I, you can't get the commentary when you do that, yeah. right? Yeah, no. You, ah. get the, you get the. What is up with that? Why do they not license I don't know. the commentary I think they tracks? Wanna, they want to sell you it. Uh, instead, 
I, uh, I mean, I, literally, like, like, like the situation. But just any Blu-ray that I own that wasn't purchased as part of like you know a ten DVD set of like you know ten Blu-ray set of like one of my favorite directors <laughs> was because I wanted to listen to a commentary track. Yeah. Um. So, fuck you, film industry. You got me to spend my seven dollars. Jerks. <sighs> well, we. I don't know if we've talked about what we're going to do next time. I don't know if we had any. Uh, I don't think. That. I don't think we've talked about it in the podcast. I don't think we've talked about it with each other. Otherwise, so yeah, that'll be a mystery till we figure it out. Right. I, we'll figure that. out I'm like so out of like. Although I have put so little thought into what we'd be doing after you this know, that I, I don't even have a conversation to suggest to have. The, the new to VHS is out. VHS viral, I think, is out and streaming. Which uh, did weird, we? I feel like do you want to? Do you want to skip? Wait, that's the, that's the third one, right? Yeah. Oh, did we? Did we not actually review two? Did we just sort of talk? No, about we it? never did two. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, we talked about two in one. So, do you want to do two? Uh, sure. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, what you know, actually, I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll, we'll think about it. I, I would yes. like to do it at some point. I, I really thought we had done it already, and so now I'm like, oh wait, we have to do it still because I thought we. <laughs> um, we can just do viral. It's not. It's, I mean, it's an <laughs> anthology movie. Yeah. It's not like it's gonna. What do you call it? So, like, skipping around in the sequels is yeah, going to yeah, 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 I doubt damage. it'll be too much of a problem. But uh, we should look into that. We'll look into that. Yeah, uh, figure it out. You know, I got a couple of suggestions from other people. Uh, one of them was specifically uh, as a Halloween episode, but our time oh, here is such that we're not really going to have a Halloween episode. Well, we should have um, a, you know, thematically Halloween yeah. episode. Well, I'll look it up. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it because I, I think is, I have a Halloween? couple. Was it Halloween? No. Um, it's a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, I, I'm trying to remember offhand. I've got an email somewhere. Um, but yeah. Anyway, basically, we don't know what we're watching yet. Uh, <laughs> and we've we'll also had like it. more than one request for ravenous. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, we yeah. were talking about doing that this time uh, until we boldly decided to prometheize it. Yeah, prometheize. Well, no, I think we we were going to do it instead of, and then we did Alien instead, and then we ah. did this. And but yeah, we will. I mean, yeah, we've had multiple requests for it, so yeah. I. Uh, we will be doing it. We'll get to that one as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's that's basically it. I'm good. You good? All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, hit us up on uh, the Facebook group. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Basically hit every we button you Tumblr can find. going. Just hit every single yeah. button. Um, just if, poke them uh, crazy. Just, just poke them. Just poke them until it plays some the, the podcast of us in like really weird holography thing, sort of. Uh, an ending as strong as the beginning. <laughs> Good yeah, night, everybody. Remember that time that I was running down a corridor and they got my head cut off by a door? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right. Pretty. All right. Your Bye, everybody. Very well. Good night. Yes, it was. <laughs>